This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is very much hoping that Spurs have gone all Spursy by the end of this show. Uh, Saturday saw Chelsea's last European away trip of the season as we took on Swansea in Welsh Wales. Swansea are facing imminent relegation. Chelsea went 1-0 up after four minutes, but the expected trouncing just didn't happen and 1-0 it stayed, leaving a nerve-jangling last ten minutes where Chelsea hung on for the victory. There was an air of familiarity about Chelsea's inability to kill weak opposition off, which, uh, to be honest, was very frustrating. But, on the positive side, that's now four back-to-back wins on the spin away from Stamford Bridge. So have Chelsea and Antonio Conte got their mojo back, if not their swagger? Uh, The Chelsea fancast number 424, Mojo Rising, with a question mark. All very mysterious, but there you go. Mm. Uh, uh, talking of mojos rising, I've got some... Uh, well, actually, we're a man down at the moment, but we'll, we'll we'll tell you more about that in a sec. But first of all, I've got the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. Oh, Most people oh. think we're married, Jonathan. We see oh, so much of each other. I hope so, Chidge. I hope so. Well, indeed. Um, How are you, dear boy? Are you well? I'm very good. Isn't Mojo Rising a Doors reference, Chidge? It is. Mr. Mojo Rising. Yeah. Hi. Very good, very good. I'm yeah, well, thank you. I just had so cold today. I had to cycle yeah. all over the place. Oh, God, I wore an appalling pair, pair of plastic trousers over my jeans. And, oh, God, it was still freezing. Oh, it was freezing and wet. So I'm sort of uh, recovering with the heating on in here in my little room. So, oh, bloody hell. But, yes, well, I'm, I'm in the yeah, Eagle's Nest and it's nice and warm in here, I can tell you. So there you go. 
uh, also known as the loft conversion. If people were worrying about the uh, the uh, <laughs> uh, the illusions that I was making, then uh, I will make no more. I will make no more illusions. But I will just introduce the uh, the right Reverend uh, Tony Glover, uh, one of our favourites to the show. He was in Mixler with you all last week, and he's probably in there again. But he's on the show too tonight. How are you, Tony? I am indeed, Archbishop. I am indeed. I'm I'm very well, thank you, mate. Um, it's been it's been a good few weeks, isn't it? But still, we're going to cover yeah. that in a minute. But uh, yeah, we are. Yeah. We are. I don't think I don't think it's doom and gloom at all. I really don't. Um, right now, we do have a third, uh, a fourth member, I should say, on the show tonight. The uh, the wonderful Joe Tweedy. But uh, Joe is uh, at this moment on his way back from work, and I'm going to dial him in as soon as he lets me know he's there. So panic not, he will be with us for uh, the bulk of the show, hopefully. Which tonight uh, we will be asking. With four wins on the spin, have Chelsea and Conte got their mojo back? And just how frustrating is it that we seem unable to kill teams off? In part two, we look at what has cost us this season. The midfield conundrum. Emerson challenging Alonso. Ayu's brutality. And with 50 Premier League wins in the third fastest time of any manager, is there a chance that Conte might stay? In part three, we have a look at the FA Cup Youth, uh, the FA Youth Cup final, even which I'm going to sneakily have on on the TV in the background in a minute. Uh, and we're going to ask: Are there any other options uh, than Wembley for a temporary move? Um, it being, wow. of course, that it was announced last week that uh, uh, Mr. Khan is going to buy it. Uh, and then uh, we get all oh, most most important of all: we're going to demand, not ask, we're going to demand that you vote for Hion, Alex, and Breathe Chelsea in the Football Blogging Awards. Uh, because you systematically didn't win, you didn't vote for us to get into the bloody finals, which I'm very upset about. But there you go. Uh, we'll also have the usual parish notices. And uh, in part four, we've got uh, some emails from Jonathan to read out, uh, and that will be followed by a very, very self-indulgent look back at ten years. Yes, ten years of the Chelsea fancast because it was our birthday last Saturday. Ten years. Where did that time go? Goodness gracious me. Now, uh, don't forget, uh, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which of course is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea-Fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And there are already lots of people in there. Joe the Blue, F. Mary Kill, Stephen Mower, Kurt S., A Blue Up North, Mile High Chels, the wonderful Bob Oosre. Possibly the loyal loyalist of all the loyal supporters we have is Bob Aussie Sign My Broken Leg, the lovely Nicky Davidson, Benji Toe, Sean B, Conman57, and Mr. Paul Crowder. Mr. PC is here, and if she don't come, he's in there too, and the lovely Andy Silverman. Andy, I hope you're well, mate. Keep fighting, fella. Right, uh, you can also always, uh, you know, tweet us at Chelsea Fancast. You never know, I might have a look during the show. Doesn't happen very often, but never say never. Uh, and uh, and a final, and a final, well, first reminder, really, not a final reminder. First reminder, of course, is that uh, we're now doing three shows a week. We've got the Kerry Dixon show on a Thursday when I can track him down, which I've singularly failed to do for the last two weeks. Although I was actually ill for one of them, to be fair. Uh, but on the Friday evening, uh, between 7 and 9 o'clock, uh, we do something called the Chelsea Fancast Love Sport Radio Show. Uh, with the, uh, the I mean, we, we're growing to love. He's kind of warming. He's growing on us, I think, Aaron Paul. We, we kind of like him, really, even though he's a Man United fan. Uh, and uh, this week, it will be uh, Dan Silver and Jonathan 
and quite possibly me, although there might be something that scuppers that, but don't let that worry you. Uh, but anyway, tune in uh, on Friday between 7 and 9, Love Sport Radio, lovesportradio.com or 558am or digital radio uh, or radio player. Look for Love Sport Radio. So many ways to listen to it. Apparently you can get it on Alex. I didn't know she could broadcast, but uh, what do I know? <laughs> anyway, um, it's great fun. It's great fun. And uh, the best thing, of course, is that you can phone us up, as the wonderful Dean, Dean Mears did last Friday. We had a lovely chat with Dean. The number is Jonathan? 0208 Marvellous. Uh, Aaron tried to do a very poor impersonation of you on last Friday's show. It was rubbish compared to you. Um, the other thing I should mention, which is of great import about the Love Sport Radio Show, um, is that we're now able to release it as a podcast. Uh, I've released the last two, so last Friday's and the one before, which I, I will do via the Chelsea Fancast platform, so Acast, SoundCloud, uh, and iTunes. Uh, so you can, you know, if you do miss it live on the Friday, you can listen to it back hopefully before it becomes irrelevant, because we do tend to talk about the match that's coming up the next day. But uh, it's it's a very different show, isn't it, Jonathan? I, I'm, I'm kind of getting, you know, into it a bit. It's, it's a very different kind of show than this one, isn't it? Well, it's because we're there face-to-face, and, uh, you know, you can... I know that you don't want me to speak by the look of hatred that appears on your face just when <laughs> next not, to me. Not true! Not so, true! Uh, you know, it's, it's much simpler that way. You know, I like that, and... Uh, uh, but um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's very good fun if occasionally interrupted by the ads that they have to put on. Yeah, yeah but I know, uh, I know, yeah. no, and I'm I'm just hoping that we get more callers in because it's I really would like to speak yes. to more of you from yes. uh, Mixler because uh, it, it becomes then your show rather than ours necessarily, which yep. would be yeah. great. So. Totally right, totally right. That's absolutely right. I mean, I, I was going to say, actually, because I, I get to speak a lot less on that show, which can't be a bad thing. Uh, I also think it's a lot more irreverent. I mean, I, I rule this show editorially with a rod of iron, as we all know, whereas we're a lot more fluid on the Friday show and, and we can just go wherever we want to. You know, we've, we've got a script. We kind of know what we want to talk about, but we'll talk about anything and we invariably do. I think Jonathan basically makes Aaron Paul laugh all the time, and we just tell silly stories. So, you know, it's it's a very, very fluid show and a very different show from this one. Um, I'm enjoying it. I hope you all are too. Anyway, let us know. Let us know what you think. Uh, right, um, after this very short break, we're going to be talking all about the Swansea-Chelsea game. Like I said, I mean, I, do you know what? It's really quite funny talking of love sport. I, I, I went on, uh, they phoned me up to talk about the Swansea-Chelsea game uh, a mere 15 minutes after the match ended. And I've got to say, I, I, I was really quite grumpy about it. I was very frustrated by it. And I really felt that, you know, having having gone 1-0 up after four minutes, lovely goal. I just thought, you know, same old, same. It was so frustrating, failing to kill a weaker team off, and then, you know, hanging on. And I think they were hanging on for the last 10 minutes. 
Um, a bit of reflection, though, a bit of sober reflection, has made me think. Well, perhaps it's not not as bad. Uh, <clears throat> as, you know, it's, you know that immediate reaction you get when you watch a game on TV. I've written about this. I've spoken about this. I get way more angry when I'm not at the game, and it was very much like that. But actually, sober reflection has made me think. You know. Um, that maybe it's not so bad at all and you know four wins on the spin uh all away from home that's the first time we've done this uh tony since uh september the 12th last year so mm. i do wonder whether actually chelsea and conte are getting their mojo back i mean conte looks more animated on the touchline for a start he does um it may be that you know, with the World Cup coming up, some players are trying to put themselves in various shop windows, I suppose, um, you know, uh, ready for uh, a bigger shop window, I guess. Um, and it could be something to do with that. I, I have my doubts. I think we've been, we've seen more injuries this year than we've 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 suffered previously, uh, suffered with last year. We've had more games. Um, this year, I saw a stat on there, something like we, we've played more games than quite a few other teams. Um, and I think... You know the team look a bit more cohesive, and I think he's 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 getting a bit more settled with some of his selections. I think, um, you know, when we had that dreadful season under Mourinho, um, there was a, what was it a palpable discord, which I think you know the fans, even if we denied it at the time, we can probably look back at it and go, well, it was pretty obvious that it was a um, a bit of down tools going on there. And I I, don't, I really don't see it with this these these guys. I don't see any players not trying. I think we are wasteful. I think that's part of the problem. I think we over elaborate in front of goal um, rather than, you know, just testing keepers and having a stab, um, uh, uh, trying to get more goals. Uh, we've been unlucky. We've had more than our fair share of posts and balls hit. Um, and I think the hey, idea... Joe. Evening, Joe. I assume that's Joe. Joe has joined us. Joe yes, has joined well, us. Yes, yeah. Carry hey, on, carry on. We don't... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're all good, Joe. Good to have you on board. Uh, Tony, finish your point. Yeah, so, I didn't, I didn't but, want to like, steal your No, so my, my, my point was is that, um, and I think I tweeted about I got a bit pissed off with all the negativity on Twitter. I, I, it was just relentless. You thought we'd have lost uh, instead of people saying, well, that's three points in the bag, and it puts a little bit you know, more pressure on the teams above us. Um, but I, you know, I think we are wasteful. And I do think that um, uh, at a different time of the year, you know, I tweeted... You know, this was a shit time on a Saturday in the pissing rain away from home against a team that are fighting for survival. And there people genuinely were saying, but City rolled them over 5-0. Well, City are rolling a lot of teams over by a lot of goals this season. Um, and I don't think that's a real measure of it. I really don't. I think we, we, we did a professional job. Were we under the cost for the last 10 minutes? Yes, but we could have been 4-0 up by then. And that had echoes of the West Ham game when you sat next to me, Chidge. Yeah, but we but, weren't. We weren't, no, Tony. No, we weren't. Therein lies the problem. Yes, and, and, and whilst, you, you know, whilst it stays at 1-0, you know, yep. whilst it stays at 1-0, you yes. are always vulnerable to as, a muggy as, side getting as, a goal. Exactly. As we were with West Ham when, when you came and sat yep. next to me, yeah. But we, you know, on the on the balance of play, we were, we were far, far better than, than Swansea. We had far better chances. And I just think, um, yeah, it's too little, too late. But I, I, honestly, the, the negativity pissed me off. It really did. The, yeah. you know, we thought we'd have lost and we hadn't. 
I know, but I do I do understand it. I, as I've said before many times, and I said it before we, we started this bit of the chat, you know, when I watch it and I'm not there, I'm way angrier than I am when I am there, which I think is an interesting point. Anyway, Jonathan, I mean, Conte himself mentioned this, you know, in, in the post-match presser. He was clearly pissed off that, you know, well, he basically pointed out that when your top scorer in the team only has 12 goals, you know, you're not really going to be in for winning much. Uh, and he seemed to be focusing on our ability to kill teams off and score enough goals as well. I mean, I think there are many other problems too, but I think he's got a point, hasn't he? Well, he's, he's blaming the team, isn't he? He's not blaming himself. Why is he having a go at, uh, at whoever, at Hazard or at Morata? What's the matter with him? He needs to create an environment where they score more. He can't say the players. His big thing in, since January has oh. been that the players aren't good enough. I'm sorry, Tony, we're going to really disagree about We this. are. We are I'm massively. So, <laughs> I was so annoyed by the, the last 15 minutes that I even watched Match of the Day thinking that they were going to score, already knowing the <laughs> result. Because it was... Mate, that's the first sign of madness. That Courtois is. became a kind of sort of schoolboy. Just that they all become... It, it, just incapable of, of playing like a team that was was in completely in control. It was very similar to the West Ham game. And I think we're all having very, very short memories. If it hadn't been for Giroud, we'd have lost ignominiously against Southampton. Uh, I, I don't think this is a, a particularly good four games. And once again, I think it's down to the manager, who uh, I don't think has got his mojo back at all. I thought, I don't know. He, well, he, can't, he, can't, he can't kick the ball himself, Jonathan. Whenever he can get he the players the ball back to himself. He can create the situation in the last 15 minutes by not bringing on William and Pedro. William stood around, but he didn't know where to go. Didn't know what to do because they were attacking so much. He could have brought on Zappacosta and Christensen. He could have changed the, the way they were playing. Nothing happened. It just got worse and worse. William, in fact, at least when Hazard was on, they were worried sufficiently when he was attacking. William just had no clue because I don't know what he what he'd been what suggestion he'd been given what how he was supposed to play. I th- I thought the last uh, the fact that they can't they, they were so all over them and uh, and I thought they played the, Chelsea stopped them from playing but I thought that Swansea just didn't sort of get it together at all. We once again yeah we should have been four goals up but uh, to to actually start blaming the players in your post match discussion about that no we should start creating situations where where they score. Or do something what? about it. That's his role as manager. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't agree with it. Tony. Well, I, you know, bl- blaming, not blaming Morata. Not blaming Morata. No, not blaming Morata for having two left feet, and for going down and constantly <laughs> crying at the referee, and for other players hitting the post, and for missing chances, or for over elaborating in front of goal. I can't see once he's on the pitch. Once they're on the pitch. I don't see that you can you can make the changes. I mean, if William had got a goal, we'd all be saying that was an inspired substitution. William's a bloody good player. What does he he's do? He's a great Just sit there. player. He's a great he player. He couldn't play in that situation. He couldn't play because he all they were doing was were attacking. He didn't set it up properly, which is what he's been doing all the, since January. Has you know, William goes on the pitch. And can light up a pitch. What what did, what did he do? Did he say he didn't, he didn't light the pitch listen, up? Listen, oi, oi, both of you, time out. Because, hey, listen, I'll mute you if you don't <laughs> shut up. You can't speak over each other because cat Skype will cancel it out, and all you hear is beep, oh, I know. Beep, 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 yeah. beep. so just one after one after the other, please. Yeah, all I'm saying is, is that I think to uh, to say that it's the manager's fault 
that striker a striker like Morata can't hit a cow's ass with a banjo half the time um, is 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 wrong. If, if a player puts in a shit performance, then that's fair enough. But I can't say that it's all of the manager. When he's, he, I think he's got a point. I, I really do. I think he's got a very good. All right, Joe. Let's let's have a word from Joe. See if we can uh, uh, get some some sense and sensibility <laughs> on all of this. Joe, where do you sit with all of this? I mean, I, I, I agree with Conte. I think that if if you don't have strikers, you can score for you regularly. Uh, you aren't going to win much. But, I mean, you know, I, I'm quite enamoured of the fact that we've won four on the spin, and I actually think that we've got a bit of momentum. And I also think that going, you know, going into, uh, you know, the last three matches now, four if you include the FA Cup, we haven't won four matches back-to-back since September. So I think something has changed. And I think, the, the you know, the issue is, is that had we been in for the title, we, 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 we would have said, this is a great win. It's all about the three points. But because we're not... We're all a bit kind of meh about it. But what, what do you think, mate? I mean, I think on uh, on Conte, the, the the biggest issue that I've, that I've had with him this season, and this isn't a kind of panacea or whatever in terms of sort of absolving him of blame or blaming him entirely, but when you Tony makes points about, for example, Morata not being able to shoot, there is there are so many examples of players this season whose form has continued to progressively get worse and worse and worse. And Conte, as a coach... I don't really see what he's what he's done to address that. Now, you can talk about tactics, you can talk about anything to do with the match, but strictly in terms of the training pitch, these players have not got better since they've each of them hit their slumps. You can look at Bakayoko, you can look at Morata, you can look at other certain players who have hit uh, a patch of form and, and never really been able to recover from it. So, I think from 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 that point of view, that has to be on on contact. You know, you can't just. Uh, Unless you know you you take a very very dim view of the players and suggest that they're just playing at a level that is reflective of their ability, but you know maybe Murata's early season form was a was a was a positive blip rather than a, an actual reflection of how he can play. But that that for me that's that's the first thing is that I haven't seen that bounce back in players that I would anticipate a coach of of Conte's ability to produce. And I think yeah, secondly to 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 Jonathan's point about the the setup. I think it goes back to Rudiger's comments a couple of weeks ago. We seem to have this almost like a, an ability to, to actually just draw and invite pressure in the last 15 and 20 minutes of matches. And yes, you know, we should have we should have killed the game off before then. But it, it's, it seems to be just a, a recurring theme. We play these teams, we play pretty well. We should probably be at least two goals up. We get to a stage in the game where where that isn't the case. And it's the same thing over it. It happened against West Ham. It's happened against other teams this season where we just seem to just invite pressure. Um, and it, it, it almost seems to be by design that the, the, the team sort of uh, drops sort of 10 yards deeper. You can kind of see the the, the, mm. the sort of mentality of the players change almost entirely. It, it's almost like someone hits a switch in the team to, to kind of do that, to, to try and let's, let's keep what we've got rather than keep pushing forward. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, again, in terms of these, these four games, I don't think we've been stellar, but... I think that there there seems to be an understanding now between at least the players and the manager that, you know what, let's just push until the end of the season because, you know, Tottenham are stumbling a bit, Liverpool have stumbled a bit. There is a, a slight glimmer there to to attack. Um, and, and I think it's it's nothing more than that. I just think that they've come to an understanding, you know, you sort of see in between February and April that this Conte was was getting more and more kind of downbeat in press conferences and, and players were kind of speaking up in, in, and speaking out of turn and, you know, certain key players, Hazard and, and others in particular, 
their form kind of, uh, you know, correlated in, in terms of a dip as well. So all these sort of things that happening in those two months seem to have, have disappeared. So maybe it's just a, an understanding thing, Chidge, that they want to push forward now until the end of the season and just see what happens. Because, again, you know, I don't think uh, a lot of these players have won an FA Cup. So potentially, again, it's something for them to, to aim towards. And they know that they have to perform to AB in the team, but also to, to, to reach the final win some kind of uh, form as a team as well. Jonathan, I'm going to allow you to have the last word. Like the one, one thing that popped into my head while Joe, who was erudite as always, was speaking, was that, uh, you know, given, uh, you know, just to kind of link it into what you were saying, really, I mean, g- given what's been going on for the last six months with all the rumblings about Conte, given the, the innumerable rumours about uh, Chelsea looking for all sorts of other managers. Now, we don't know what the, the truth is in it, in it is, I, I, I know, but... I wonder if that seeps through to the players and, and maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. What, what do you think? Last, last point on this. I think it's inevitable it would seep through mm. to the players. But um, um, you'd have thought that what was confusing was that the, the performance of Burnley was fantastic. It was, uh, was suddenly, it was, was pre-January form. It was when they were second form. And, uh, and then not to replicate that against Swansea. Um, was terribly disappointing. I know that he'd chosen Bakayoko, who had a much better game, let's be honest, but he's still mm. um, very tentative uh, um, and won't. is not really tackling. He's worried about every time he tackled before, and he was sent off, of course, in the Watford game, wasn't he? Um, so yeah. it was a different, it was a different setup. But uh, um, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean, slightly. Um, uh, not in disbelief, but I feel slightly backed up in that I'm I'm keen on. Uh, Joe has has really um, emphasised what I was saying, which is that um, that he he sets himself up as an, a manager who improves things, and uh, they haven't been improving. And um, and at least at least these four wins are something to get us excited about. But they can't play the way they played in the uh, in the second half. Uh, against any against Liverpool, they'll be taken to the cleaners. They've got to somehow, um, if they do score in the first half, I said it against United the same way. They've got to keep the momentum going, and so that will be a very interesting interesting game to uh, to look at. I hope that somehow that um, um, something changes, but the uh, the uh, the pattern is 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 all too familiar for me, I'm afraid. Um, but I think it it well, goes hand in hand with uh, with Conte. Uh, being so fed up with everything, so um, uh, and and uh, the fact that it has well, it hasn't got across to, it has got across to the players, but they've actually seen uh, in the last few games well we've got something to go for here, particularly with the uh, with the cup final coming up, as you say, Chidge, with the, they haven't won the cup before, so I think look, you know, I think. <sighs> I, I wouldn't stick the blame on, on, on one individual, whether it's Conte or the players, but I do think the players have to take responsibility for themselves as well. I mean, you know, they're professional footballers and they're very good professional footballers as well. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think there's there's more to it than that. I, I've got a suspicion as well. I mean, there's been some interesting stuff uh, I've been reading in the last week that Conte's options for where he might go next are, are diminishing as we speak, which might have something to do with his renewed vigour on the touchline and perhaps a return to the Conte that we, we, we knew and loved last season. But we shall see. Um, I'm going to move off to a break and then afterwards we're going to get more into this. We'll see you in a second. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com 
Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and of course you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And with me tonight are Jonathan Kidd, and Tony Glover, and the wonderful Joe Tweedy. And uh, we've already had a massive disagreement between Tony and Jonathan. It was a, exactly it was nothing more than a nothing more than a, a little shoulder charge against each other. <laughs> lovers tiff. I was going to say in a, in a true in a true tis was. In a true Tiswell style, this is what we want. This is what we want. I shall go all Chris Tarrant on you uh, if you keep going. I love it. Um, I should also mention this juncture that we do have a very wonderful website uh, where the wonderful Hion, who has just arrived uh, in Mixler as we speak, funnily enough, uh, right on cue, he edits the website and he corrals a load of very good writers to write for us. So do check it out, chelseafancast.com. Now, um, you know, I was getting into the, 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 the thing before the break, really, that, you know, I just wondered, uh, you know, a little bit of our frustration and negativity is to do with the fact that we don't feel that we're in with a shout of, of, of you know, anything in the league, really. I mean, I, I do think that the... Uh, I do think the chances of us getting top four are, are very, very remote. And I think that it's being held tantalisingly above us uh, like a, like the world's biggest prick tease, frankly. But uh, I just don't see Spurs losing two out of their next next four games, really. It's as simple as that. But um, the thing is, I just think that if, if we were, for example, in second place and uh, and we were two points behind City you know, with three or four games to go, then I think our attitude to to what we saw at the Swansea game would have been very, very different. I think that we would have actually been going, brilliant, just, you know, keep going, keep going, grind out the wins. Just It's all about the three points. It doesn't matter how we play. If it goes off somebody's arse, that's all that matters. But I think because we're not in that situation and we're in fifth, it becomes a little bit more frustrating and depressing, JK. Well, I think if we were if we were pressing for the title or challenging for the title, we would have won that about five nil, because we'd be uh, we would have played much better since January. We wouldn't have. Well, had I, the, I don't agree. The manager. I, I don't agree, mate. Okay, think think back to the Mourinho season when we won the title. We were grinding out one nil wins. The QPR win away springs to mind. Played like shit. Got home with a one nil win. End of last season, we were digging them out and grinding through them. So it's not like we haven't seen that before. But that was because we were all very happy with it then. To be fair to Rangers, Rangers played wonderfully all the way through. I thought they were very unlucky to lose. It was a real, Mm. that was a real derby. Whereas uh, in this instance, you were there, weren't you? I'm afraid I was. I was sitting amongst Rangers fans and trying to, uh, weren't you? Yeah, trying to take (laughs) as many many pictures of the Chelsea players who came near me. I was in the front row in one of their stands. That's right. Left hand side, yeah, and it became very obvious that I wasn't taking enough pictures of Rangers players, so I suddenly had to take pictures of them as well, just to feel that I wouldn't have been hit. Um, uh, and I was very knowledgeable about Chelsea, too knowledgeable. It was a it was a bad moment in um, um, in relations, really. I should have uh, I should have been less uh, uh, less Chelsea, I think. <laughs> I wasn't wearing a scarf. Um, uh, Money, you could wear blue. Were you wearing the stamp for the Lions? Blue white anyway. It wouldn't have mattered, would it? Say again, Chid. Sorry. Were you, were you wearing the Stanford the Lion costume? <laughs> that would have been slightly giving it away, wouldn't you? I'd have I'd have two, two seats for that. Um, 
uh, yeah, yeah. Well, what we were, we, I was just still saying the same, wasn't I? About um, I thought that we'd have been uh, we'd have been challenging. Uh, yeah, you know the point you made was about Queens Park Rangers, didn't you? About coming back. Yeah, but I, I, well, I, just, I, just, I thought I just, that was a very, different, was... very different situation, Chidge. Very different. Yeah. Well, so... that's that was my point. That that's my point. You know, because if you're challenging for something and you scrape through with a win, all you care about is that you win. When you're not challenging for something, you bitch about the fact that we only beat them one nil. That's my point. I think, but it's the it's the nature, isn't it? Is that Rangers were at it from the very beginning, whereas Swansea so Swansea. No, they they weren't in the same way. Well, they we were, were at in, it in the last we, the last twenty thirty yeah, minutes, the, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But uh, uh, we still we still defended poorly in the last few minutes, which were against Rangers. I thought we defended wonderfully. I thought, but defending well was one of the things that we did very well under Mourinho. Um, I, I think it's it's difficult to compare the two seasons, isn't it? There, I, I don't quite. Well, agree. of course, of agree, course. You know, but you know, but anyway, I agree with that. I mean, look, the other the other thing that occurs to me is is that you know, going back to uh, the prick tease element of it all, Tony, you know, it, it's it's absolutely maddening, isn't it, that we find ourselves with three games to go. Spurs have got four, and. You know, in a season where we've been pretty poor, let's be honest, it's not been a brilliant season for many reasons, and yet we're only two points behind them. We, we, they are in within reach. We, you know, we we could so easily have caught them up, and it just makes me think: if we hadn't have lost to Watford and, and Bournemouth, and if we hadn't dropped points away, you know, at home to West Ham, and a lot of those nil-nil draws, I mean, you know. It just makes it for me all the more frustrating because if we'd have put the you know the teams that we're expected to put away away, you know we would we wouldn't be in this situation. We would have had a top four slot locked up a long time ago. We should all know that Spurs are going to go Spursy, you know. So it's there's a sense to me that there was a, a point in the season where they just gave it all up. And actually, had they not done that, had they turned up and got the points, we wouldn't be in the situation we are now. Uh, look, I gave up negative tweeting ages ago because it's just such a waste of time and energy and, and as I've got older I've got a bit more sort of circumspect about things and, and like to look at it and, and do what you said you know take the 10-15 minutes we'll go away for a couple of hours and come back and think about it um, and I've, I've maintained all the way through this season it was not going to be defeats against City and Arsenal and Spurs that wasn't what was wasn't what was going to cost us this season it was the games that we should be winning and Watford and Palace Palace at home who had lost seven or eight on the spin I don't even think they'd scored a goal uh, up until the point yeah we played them and they beat us um it, it, you couldn't have got odds on that uh, this season because we were the champions and, and you know they had been so abysmal that you know I thought we would roll them over six or seven nil and we lost. And Bournemouth, you know, Bournemouth, who've done us a couple of times at home now, uh, and West Ham, you and I sat next to each other, and the yeah. minute Hernandez came on, we said, he's going to score, because he always does against us. And and I think they're the games that have cost us this season. I think they're the, that, that's where you, that they're the ones that are expensive, because at the very top, City aside this season, United, Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal, will generally season by season, be taking points of each other or, or accepting a draw, um, you know, uh, the least amount of damage to both or whatever. You go away to Manchester United, you come away with a draw, you would generally say that's not a bad result, actually, you know, least least damage done. Um, 
But, you know, defeat against Burnley on the first day where we lost our heads for 15 minutes um, and then left ourselves with too little, too much to do, even though with nine men, we were phenomenally better than them in the last 10 minutes of that game. Um, that's where that's where we've where it's cost us. And I, I think you're right. You only have to look at two wins out of the what, six or seven defeats is it we've had maybe mm. and, and we'd be above Spurs now and we would be yeah. right, we would be breathing down Liverpool's neck with a home game against them. And that's that's yeah. the fine margin. So I, I I'm pretty I'm still pretty optimistic about this season. I I don't think it's been as disastrous. I think we've we've had to go from zero other games, no European games at all, to um, the Champions League. We've got ourselves to another FA Cup final, and I just think uh, that I think there's been a bit of con- fixture compression this season, isn't there as well because of the World Cup uh, coming up as well. Um, I, I don't think we've done as dramatically badly as everybody else. I re- as a, a lot of other people, a lot of other people seem to be really down on us. I think, you know, I agreed with Alex Churchill at the beginning of this season in that we we confounded all expectations last season, and that this was season one, really under Conte, if you like. And that mm. in 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 my view, if we finish fifth or fourth, and you took that into the context of having finished tenth, forget last season. You know, from the 10th of, of Mourinho's last season, we'd all be going, well, there you go. We've got six places better now. We're on our way back. Mm. So, you know, but I do agree with you. I, I think it's a, it's a proper statement. To it's say. frustrating, it's those, I think. It's frustrating because we... I mean, who knows? Look, you're right. If we, if we end up fourth by hook or by crook, if Spurs really do blow it and we win all of our games and we, we do end up fourth and we win the FA Cup, that is not a bad season at all. And considering where we were, I think it'd become a very good one. But I mean, you know, if we miss out, we're going to miss out by the by Nat Cock, and that is incredibly frustrating. I think, especially when you see who we lost to. On the other hand, Joe, if your auntie had bollocks, she'd be your uncle. <laughs> so there's a bit of coulda, woulda, shoulda, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm going to go on mute. It's just my what? What, Tony? It's that's true. Right. It's it's how, it doesn't yeah. matter how many times I hear it. That phrase always makes me laugh. <laughs> I mean, there is a bit of whataboutism, isn't there, really, Joe? Um, I, mean, I wanted to ask you one thing as well, actually, mate. And, and this occurred to me uh, earlier today when I was was doing this. I wonder if there's any coincidence that the, the last four games that we've won have all been away from home. And we all know how, how good the away support is. And it, basically, it is exactly what it says on the tin. It's very, very supportive. And I, and I wonder if, in a sense, the, the 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 players feel more pressure and more meh. You know, we are, we do get a bit meh at Stamford Bridge if it's not going on our way. I do think the crowd get on their back. So I wonder if, in a sense, it's perhaps not a coincidence that we've won our last four games because they've been away. I mean, is there is there any merit in that argument? Yeah, I mean, I came back for the uh, for the Tottenham game. I remember casting you some very uh, disappointing glances throughout that game. But I, 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 the, thing, the thing that struck me particularly for, for a game of that magnitude, that it was such a peculiar atmosphere at Stamford Bridge. And again, I, I haven't been as, as, as regularly as I normally do, but I don't know if, if that is becoming a, like a more and more pervasive thing as we, uh, you know, for, throughout the season, it seems to be that, that Stamford Bridge is not a place of, of positivity. And at the game, if I remember looking you know, to my dad and just sort of saying, is this how it's been for most of the season? And, sort of nodded to the couple of games that he'd been to. Yeah, it, it was a sort of this strange atmosphere at home. I don't know whether it was it's a to do with uh, 
having uh, unreasonable expectations or the, the, just the general style of play or the manager or the players. Or the, there seems to be some sort of cocktail that that, that is at play there that means I think Stamford Bridge is becoming a a less uh, easy place to play at than, than potentially than what I've seen in, in previous years gone by. And when you kind of juxtapose that with with the the particularly the results away, I think we've uh, we've definitely seen. Um, Maybe there's less pressure. Um, I think obviously the away fans are slightly more vocal, slightly more positive behind the team. I know that we've had uh, discussions this season where that hasn't always been the case in certain certain instances. But I think as a generalisation, you find that at least the, the majority of, of away fans will go there to to support the team, to support the players, to support the manager, etc. And yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's it's a really valid point to just to just on the the game that I went to this season. I think it's the atmosphere itself, which has changed. Um, very, very tangibly, at least for me, from from season to season, um, and maybe that hasn't happened on, on the away games. Maybe the players feel feel less pressure. Um, the manager too. Yeah. No, sorry, that was me fucking about on my phone. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Carry on. I thought it was Live is great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm trying to keep an eye on the Spurs-Watford game and I pressed the wrong button and I suddenly got their commentary, which was a bit stupid of me. You would have thought, at my age, I know better. Sorry, Joe, I didn't mean to hoist you by our own That's patar okay. or whatever the expression is. Patar. Oh, I, I, I thought Jonathan was doing a voice, so... <laughs> 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 yeah, it was like... A... You never know. Yeah, but I, know. I, I, I think it has... Uh, I, yeah, I, mean, I think it has changed this season. I think there is a, there's a real kind of difference between playing at Stamford Bridge um, and, and playing away. And I, I think it just comes if the, the team seems to play with a, a slight more freedom. I look at the the Brighton game down there in, in particular. Some of the football we played there was, was some of the best we played all season. And I think you, you think back to some of the better moments we've had. Um, probably a lot of them have been uh, away from home. So maybe that says, yeah. uh, maybe that says more than, than anything. Well, it could be worse. We could be Arsenal and not one away from home at all, really. Yes. Um, but there you go. Listen, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move this. I'm, don't you know what I was thinking, actually, Jonathan? This has got a ring of that wonderful scene in A Bridge Too Far, uh, you know, where they all look at each other and says, "Well, it was the tanks that got stuck. It was the last bridge. It was Nymeg and whatever." You know, there's a bit of a bit of that about it. You well, know, I'm sure we, we could spend the entire summer thinking about this. Um, Jonathan, what I want to talk to you about um, is. Is this chap called Emerson Palmieri or Emerson Lake and Palmer or Emerson Fittipaldi, depending on which cliche driven joke you wish to attribute to him. Um, but I like the look of him. I like the look of him. He's got pace. Uh, that was in the, uh, I mean, you know, he did finish it off with a pretty lame shot, but he ran 50 yards past everybody. And I thought, I like the look of this kid. Um, of course, there's a dilemma now, isn't there? Because, of course, he was brought in, uh, you know, for Alonso, who was banned for three games. And his three games now up. So I wonder if Conte has a selection dilemma uh, and whether he'll pick Emerson against Liverpool on Sunday or he'll go back to Alonso, who, of course, I think has been one of our best players this year. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a great fan of Alonso. So it's an interesting dilemma. But what, what do you think about uh, uh, Emerson first, Jonathan? Well, I think he must have been a, um, a Conte choice because he's uh, Italian. He'd obviously seen him play. And everybody was a bit down on him because he'd had a, a cruciate injury. And uh, but he seems to be a better defender than uh, um, than uh, our great uh, our great hero, our great uh, yeah. um, wham hero. Um, but but uh, I think uh, I think the problem is 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 that he won't be able to take the free kicks like uh, like Alonso does, um, and he won't be uh, he, he doesn't strike me that he'll be able to volley the ball in in the same way. But um, he's clearly a very good um, deputy, and I, I, 
uh, I wonder if Conte were to persist, whether in fact he'd take over the jersey, um, just because he fits in the more defensive view to me that we appear to be uh, leaning towards. But um, and there's a rumour now, of course, that Alonso is going, isn't there? That to, clubs are coming in for him. Yeah. Um, whether yeah, once Barcelona, again, just, apparently. yeah, well, whether that's rubbish as always, because you know, when his when dad it, played for them, didn't he? He did. He did because he's, he's now he's had his his uh, his Spain debut. Um, he's uh, he's now more lucrative. Um, I think it's good that they've got two players who can compete. It would be nice if we had two players that could uh, compete on the on the right wing with Moses, because Zapacosta isn't a um, it isn't a, a replacement for Moses at all. That I think that was all a bit desperate buying Zapacosta. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and Moses, bless him, has become a much better defender than he is an attacker, which was never the case originally. Um, but uh, no, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting point, isn't it? That uh, he could get better and better, couldn't he, uh, Palmieri? And then uh, and then we, we, we well, if he's given the opportunity to play, I think the selection for the Liverpool game will be will be fascinating because obviously. Um, Alonso will be available if uh, Palmieri this, gets in. I think that may be it for the rest of the season if he picks him. Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing that has occurred to me, because, I mean, you know, uh, Alonso hasn't been brilliant all season. Let's 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 not sugarcoat this. Uh, you know, there have been times when he's had a few poor games. But I, I, I'll be honest with you, and I think that that's predominantly down to the fact that he's been blowing out of his ass because he pretty much plays every game and has been absolutely knackered. Yes. So I wonder whether having had a couple of weeks off might have actually done him some good. Yes. Um, my hunch, for what it's worth, is that Conte will throw him straight back in. I think Conte understands the value that Alonso brings to the team. So I think he'll go go straight back in. Joe, Joe what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the the main thing I've, I've seen from Palmieri, and I think this is really going along with what Jonathan has said, is I think defensively, I feel more confident with him now. And it's not because he's this sort of superb Ashley Cole defender. It's just that he's so much more athletic than Alonso. Um, I think particularly when you're looking at the Liverpool game, you're likely to have Mohamed Salah playing from the right. You know, and we've seen how some very, very average but quick wingers have have taken Alonso uh, to the cleanest in some games this season. <laughs> My concern would be particularly uh, with Salah is that, you know, if he's coming in from the right-hand side, would I rather have someone who... He maybe uh, it doesn't have Alonso's free kick ability, or, but but can potentially catch up with him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think in that respect, I think Palmieri will will, will potentially play against Liverpool. If uh, if Salah does play against Alonso, I'm, I'm not expecting a a particularly uh, comfortable afternoon <laughs> for the Spaniard. And again, it's it's not a knock on him, but you know when you think of no, pace, pace no, left back, pace. it's Alonso's name is definitely not in that that kind of uh, that kind of list. He's got many qualities, but. You know, Salah has skinned a lot, a lot of good players this season, so that would be my concern. And I think potentially going forward, particularly if if we are playing, you know, moving to a back four next season, I think that's where Palmieri gets the nod because I see him as more of a a traditional, maybe more less of a traditional, but more of a kind of a modern left back than a, than a left wing back. And again, um, you know, with the interest in Alonso, would you capitalise on that? Potentially give Palmieri the nod and, and then then see what you can do with the money. You know, we, if we if we don't make Champions League, and I think that's going to be an option that the club will probably explore. But yeah, I mean, I I've, I have liked the look of him. It's it's been curious to me as to why he hasn't necessarily played played as often as he uh, as he could have done. I think Chidji makes some pretty valid points about Alonso um, playing every single minute of every single game. I mean, if if he's your number one player, then you can use a, an Italian international surely to to rest him and give him some give him some time off. But 
I think Conte Conte has his favourites and he likes to play them and I think that's something we've seen this season. But no, I think he's been he's been very impressive. Um, and I think again, you know, he's he's stepping into a new team in January and I think uh, you know we've seen a lot of times it does take some of these players uh, a kind of a very significant period to adjust maybe the entire you know rest and remaining part of the season. I think he's actually settled in pretty well. Um, he doesn't look to have any of the effects of the injury and you know I think potentially that he he you know next season if if Alonso is still here and we and we do get a a new manager in that, that wants to play a back four. I do think that Alonso is is not going to be a, uh, a first choice next season. Mm. I tell you what, though, one advantage of playing Alonso against Salah on uh, on Sunday is that Alonso is much more likely to leave his studs in Salah's knee. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully, put him out of the game after three minutes, and of course, out of the Champions League final should Liverpool get there, which they probably will. Uh, and of course, the last thing that we want is to a see Liverpool beat us on Sunday, and also see Liverpool win the Champions League for the sixth time. It'll be unbearable. Uh, talking of assaults, Tony, uh, I, I don't mind them if Chelsea players do them on opposition players, but I get a bit aerated <laughs> if I see them happen to a Chelsea player because I'm nothing if not a hypocrite. Uh, what on earth was I you thinking? And how on earth? How on earth? Did John Moss not even give him a yellow card and when he was... He, he clearly goes to the same opticians as that pillock that was the referee against Southampton. Mike Dean. Unbelievable. Was, it? Well, Mike, Mike Dean, Dean, yeah. Mike Dean uh, as I recall, said he didn't see it and neither did his assistant referee, which means for me... They shouldn't be fucking refereeing another game uh, in the in the Premiership this season because if they didn't see it, it's incompetence or but poor vision. And if they did see it and didn't do anything about it, then they either got the decision wrong, which is incompetence, or they didn't think it was sufficiently dangerous enough at the time. John Moss has got no excuse. That that man should be nowhere. He he should be. Uh, he is to football refereeing what I am to Usain Bolt and hundred metres running. It's you know he's so far off the pace. He's he's an absolute burk, and um, I've got to say, I'm not uh, one of these anti-referee type people. I like uh, some of the referees. I think we've got some very good ones, Michael Oliver, and I know a lot of people, you know, don't like um, Friend and Kevin Friend and a few others. But John Moss is consistently the worst. And what's more, what I'm really absolutely livid about is how comes there's no aftermath on sky on the bbc in the papers why isn't anybody saying that is a red card because i think honestly virtually every other referee would have seen that and had that as a red card um rather than just a second yellow it is so blatant it's untrue and, and credit to gary cahill who i think probably should have made a little bit more out of that yeah um, but he's a proper professional. He doesn't like to be seen as the the kind of you know wimpy sort of player that goes down in, in that kind of kind of English lion heart way. But he could have made a lot more out of that. It was a disgusting piece of uh, of it wasn't football. I don't know what he was thinking. And, and then for him to you know when when Kale got up and had a go at him for oh he was sort of sit there and say what you know I mean it is so blatant it's it's untrue and John Moss should not be refereeing again in the Premiership. And I don't just mean this season. I mean, again, there you go. That's what mm. I think. OK, I agree <laughs> with that entirely. John, Jonathan, you are our resident referee. Is John Moss too fat to referee? Uh, he's not up with play as much as he ought to be. I mean, my, my complaint, as always, is... Uh, is uh, what Very was diplomatic. The, what, yeah, what was the linesman doing? 
What on earth was the, what, why didn't the linesman flag? Did he not flag because he saw that Moss was in a position? They all get scared. They all get worried that they're, they're making decisions that the referee will overrule. Um, they're supposed to work as teams. But to me, that's not working as a team. You must have, the linesman must have seen it. I think the angle the television had on Moss um, uh, was that it could possibly just have been a coming together. And because uh, he, once again, he was that far away, you thought, oh, they've just collided. But then um, if you saw it from the other angle, you know, he hit him so squarely in the back that he smashed his smashed his 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 head was jolted, which could have been very dangerous. Well, you see the way his, did you see the way his neck snapped? Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. That was da- I mean, surely, surely that's dangerous yeah, play no, or intent to harm. At least it should have been a injured. foul, at least. I mean, I, yeah. I, I got the impression that he was also thinking, oh, at least I don't have to play any more time. I can just blow the whistle and I can't be bothered to make, I'll have to, otherwise I'd have to write a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, descriptions of what happened and i'm not quite can sure I, it was kind of lazy I, thing but I, my main thing's about the linesman linesman must have seen he must have yeah. seen how his neck went you know i mean ridiculous ridiculous can, absurd. can i ask can i ask a question then of, of 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 you and you jake and joe as well i mean if cast your mind back to um the burnley player was it ashley barnes was he the one yeah. that yeah. Nearly, yeah. Nearly, yeah. nearly snapped yeah. matic's leg in two and matic got up and lumped him basically or he just pushed him in the chest but I think he really wanted to you know hit him with a should have should have done should have done, done an anti smack yeah. spark out should have smacked him spark out would have been and, worth it and recall cast your mind back Matt Hitch was given a red card there and in off off you go that was that nothing happened to Ashley Barnes there was no retrospective refereeing there was nothing they said for whatever reasons and I'm wondering if Kale had got up and flattened are you have any of you got any single doubt that Kale would have seen red of course he would. Of course he would. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so you can't help. I, I mean, there's a brilliant um, Twitter thing called. Um, uh, it's to do with every, everyone thinks that, that the refs are biased against their team, but you can't help but think that you know Alonso gets retrospectively red carded for something that the referee should have seen, and and you ask why he didn't, and then this happens, and Ayu gets nothing. But if Kayla got up and reacted, would have undoubtedly got a red. And you can't help but think there's a, a little bit of something in there that says, you know, we don't quite get the decisions going our way that perhaps but, others don't. That's just me. I, I, I know I'm probably being I completely think right. I think Alonso was, uh, was, was judged and, uh, um, and the trial was on Sky and, uh, and, and the BBC on Match of the Day, wasn't he? Which wasn't pursued at all by BT Sport or Match of the Day. Match of the Day just had the interview with Cahill saying, oh, well, let's get on with it. You know, perhaps he didn't mean it. Whereas they should have actually shown it again in slow motion, as they did with the Alonso foul. And then we'd have thought, oh, my God, it's even worse than we thought. And so would everybody else. And then the FA would have looked at it and then he would have been banned for three games because they because they just sort of accepted it and didn't highlight it. It meant that he got off. Because they've now become yeah. the arbiters, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely spot yeah. on, JK. Right. I'm going to move move this on before we spontaneously combust. <laughs> um, because we have we are in the presence of, of, of football tactics genius with the wonderful Joe Tweedy tonight. So I have constructed a question especially for you, Joe. <laughs> uh, but I was... My eyes Because I mean, I know that... Uh, well, I know. I mean, I know me, Tony, and Jonathan aren't capable of even reading this, let alone answering it, but I'll do my best. But I was I was having to think, Joe, you know, in amongst all of the, the talk of, uh, 
you know, not having strikers who can actually put the ball on the back of the net frequently enough. <laughs> I, I was wondering if actually what we've really had this season is, is, is a midfield conundrum. Um, largely, uh, well, it kind of goes something like this. You know, when we play 4-3-4-3 three, three with Chesk, it makes us vulnerable because he's knackered and he can't run. If we play 3-5-2 with Bakayoko in there, he's kind of really, there. It, it kind of hides him in a sense, but it diminishes the threat up front because he's not been very good. And in a sense, I think this has been our Achilles heel. And I, what I mean by that is that, you know, we sold Matic. So we bought Bakayoko to play with Kante. Bakayoko's not up to it. That meant Chesk has had to play a lot. He's a fading fading force, I think, not really being up to it. And of course, the other backup, Drinkwater's been injured. So essentially, our, our, our midfield is buggered up, basically, and seriously needs addressing, I think. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I think the, you know, you look at the the strength in midfield is, is obviously in Gale Kante, but for me, his his strength is in is is entirely defensive. You you can't expect Kante for all the defensive work he gets through to then go and be this sort of creative, attacking talent in the final third. So, you know, the, there's a you know a general kind of omission that our, our best midfielder is is not necessarily going to score 10, 15 goals a season. Isn't going to get ten assists. So. You need to partner him with someone who at least can affect the game in the final third. It may be that they can, you know, they can do some of the, the, the defensive work in the middle of the pitch. They can not look out of place defensively, but when it comes to the final third, they have to add that additional threat that that Kante, you know, Kante is missing. So for me personally, this summer, you know, the, whoever comes in in terms of manager or whether Conte stays or whatever the situation is, they have to kind of resolve this situation of, of getting Kante maybe two or even three people that are compatible with are playing with him because I think Bakayoko, I think, you know, a lot of people are judging him quite prematurely this season. Again, I don't think he has been um, particularly great. I mean, again, the, the number of, of, of minutes that he's played in relation to how, how poorly he's performed is, is pretty, pretty uh, extraordinary considering other players who, who, who never get anywhere near that sort of opportunity. I think Fabregas is, is potentially going to be off in the summer. I'm, I can't see him. Particularly staying on, on you know some of the the, the reporting wages that he's on, um, drink water I don't think is ever really settled here. Um, you know I, I can't think of uh, off the top of my head one or two two games where he's really dominated even playing with Kante. So if you're looking at kind of the three main midf- main midfield options that we have to pair with him is just being completely below par. And I don't think it's it's any real yeah particularly against some of these lesser teams that we play who have got very athletic midfields and they're not necessarily the best technically, but. I think sometimes we just get run off the park in midfield and that there's only so much that Kante can do by himself when you have Fabregas being just run past by very basic people. Same with Bakayoko giving away, you know, needless fouls and, and Drinkwater just looking like a mid, mid sort of mid-table player. It's, it's such a huge responsibility on, on Kante. And, you know, that, that for me is, is going to be one of the biggest things this summer. You know, I think there was a, a push to sign some, some midfielders who were slightly more talented in the summer. That, that didn't pan out. We ended up with who we've ended up with. And, it pretty much is. It's it's Kante plus plus whoever. I mean, it, it, to be perfectly honest, I think from from this season, it doesn't really matter who plays with him. You're not going to get a, a a real massive performance out of whoever's playing next to him, unless uh, you know you uh, maybe maybe a handful this season. We've seen Fabregas play well. Bakayoko maybe in the early part of the season had a couple of good games, but it's really just Kante and and, and maybe just a a body next to him for the for the sort of remainder of the season. But no, I think I think it's been a, been a huge huge miss. As I said, there's there's no goals from midfield. I don't think our, our midfielders combined to score more than ten goals. That that would just be off the top of my head. And you know, you look at uh, you look at other teams, and in terms of assists and in terms of goals, you know, the creativity from midfield that they have compared to us is is just mind blowing. And 
you know, I think it's it's probably the for me at least the biggest problem area that we have to look at in the summer. Um, again, it depends on the formation. I'd like to see us move to maybe more of a four-three-three and, and have Kante kind of screening that with with sort of two more attack-minded midfielders next to him, um, two wingers and a, and a centre forward. But yeah, for me, the biggest biggest problem area that we have. Um, and you now looking at the squad at the moment, I don't see there being any solutions. There may be some solutions out on loan. I do think it's an area. Well, I was going to say, what, what about Van Ginkel, mate? What about Van Ginkel? Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I think actually, if you were to put um, a player four through three, if you chucked in Van Ginkel and Loftus Cheek with Kante, I think that midfield would would run this this current version off the park. Um, yeah, you know, and, and that, that's that's for free. That's that's not without going and spending 60, 70 million pound on a midfielder. So, um, I think both of them would would look useful. Um, you've also got Mason Mount. What about what about Barkley? What about Barkley? Ah. Uh, um, I've never been a big fan of him. He's always been one of these players who I think is he's kind of like Oscar Light in that, you know, he'll he'll have one incredible game and then go missing for nine. Um, I don't think he's ever really had a consistent uh, reign of form, really, that where I think you could say, yeah, he's going to be a dependable piece. I think he's very much going to be a bench player at Chelsea, um, potentially. And uh, again, from from an injury standpoint, you know, you have to you have to be fit to to get these sort of runs in the side. And. You know his fitness record, at least over the past two seasons or three seasons, has has not been particularly great. And I you know again, I know the club like buying some of these players. It's they they did it with Palmieri, buying someone who um, is coming off a bad injury, so they could potentially get him for slightly cheaper. But I think with Barkley, he's he's, he's really for me just going to be a squad player. I don't see him as being a a really really key piece going forward. Mm. What do you reckon, J.K.? Wise words from Joe. Uh, yeah, fantastic words. Yes, as always, Joe, I am. Uh, uh, mm. I bow my head down for your expertise. Um, but uh, um, Loftus Cheek was good at the weekend, wasn't he? Um, he looked excellent, uh, and mm. I've, yeah. I've not been yep. a great fan of his. But I think he's come on leaps and bounds, and I think this is why the uh, um, the process of learning him out can work marvelously. And I, I agree completely. He's got to have a role next year. Um, and uh, and if if you know Van Ginkel is now um, he, he's what's it is it was it um, uh, can't remember who he plays for PSV PSV, PSV, PSV yeah. he PSV's, he's the captain yeah. he's the captain he was the leading so. goal, leading goal scorer so yeah. you know perhaps he's he's this now is the time to to get him back and Chelsea had put him on a on a very long contract which he was happy to sign so. Um, uh, yeah, let's see. It'll depend on the new manager, won't it? Or even if, you, as you say, if Conte's hanging about, um, which I think is very dubious, but we're about to get onto that. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm slightly a fan of Drinkwater in that I don't think he's been handled well. I think he's been asked to play a very specific role by um, by Conte that he hasn't been able to do. Um, so uh, I'd be intrigued once again to see if a new manager came in to see um, to see what he could what he could uh, manage, what he could achieve. But uh, that's not looking too good for him though, because he 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 hasn't really been he hasn't he's been injured a lot. Um, uh, Bakayoko is uh, is a conundrum at the moment. He seems to be uh, um, a shadow of the player who played last year. Um, but yeah, the the fact that they could then get players for nothing, as it were, just bring them back would be. Uh, would be fantastic, particularly with that of that standard. If they really do play um, the way they've been playing for their specific teams at the moment, I think it's exciting. I think I we've agree. got. Uh, mm. I think we've got exciting, exciting youth. If they can be integrated, then you know, all to the good. But it, it, I, I, is it likely with if Conte stays on that he would do that? Because he's he's essentially a defensive manager. I don't think so. Um, so I'm looking forward to his replacement. Um, 
and uh, um, I got some interesting information on Friday um, that uh, uh, he's he's. Is this blue cheese or blue squirrel, mate? This is uh, this cheese. is no no no. This is what did I change my I, I changed my name because people knew it was me, so I had oh. to come up with somebody else. So um, I can't even remember what the uh, what my alias was. So it's blue something or other. Blue. Blue, blue bollocks blue feet or something yeah blue blue trousers <laughs> who knows blue <laughs> blue 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 blue, 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 arsehole, blue arsehole. what care. about what about blue peter yeah oh, blue very peter. good that'd be very good i've got a blue peter badge you know did you know that oh <laughs> uh, well, i'm not surprised yeah 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 i've got one of those um because uh, i was in charlie and the chocolate factory on tour and we did a, a live version uh, um, of one of the songs that uh, this is you know 19 um but uh, yeah, got some quickly some information. Um, uh, apparently, um, uh, he's very miserable, Conte, at the moment. Very, very miserable around the training ground, which I think we knew anyway. Um, so whether he he feels time is up um, himself anyway, but all, all will be revealed. And I was trying to work out whether there was a contractual reason as to why he hadn't been sacked. And I think it may be that they're waiting to see if he gets picked up by somebody, then they don't have to. Uh, They'd have to pay him the uh, severance. There'll be something worked out in the contract. I have another piece of information about where we're going to be, but we're uh, when we um, move the ground. But we'll. Um, oh, we'll wait, wait for that in we'll part two, three. Can, part can I just 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 jump in on that that whole yeah, come, come in, jo- midfield come in, thing? Um, it's not often I agree with 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 JK. Well, it is. Yes. I mean, we, we we have our horns locked from in a nice kind of homoerotic way from time <laughs> to time, but um, uh, I I. I Honestly, don't think we need to go out and spend a king's ransom uh, this time. I think that you know whoever's in charge. I hope it's Conte, but I hope whoever's in charge, you know, does bring back Van Hinkle. I think that's how you pronounce it, probably, um, and um, uh, and some of the other ones in Ruben's Loftus Cheek. Because I think our our squad as it stands now would look stronger with that. And I think you know they are all starting to mature some of these players i think van Hin- van hinkle himself was very unlucky with a, a very bad injury wasn't he um not long after he joined us and i think he's been out there and to do what he's done and achieve what he's achieved i think he he definitely deserves a chance and, and i'm i'm quite um i'm quite upbeat about the future especially for bakayoko i think you know this was a, a struggle season and the, the point i was really trying to make is we have fucked up so many times by selling good players only to watch them go and flourish elsewhere, I think that's the last thing we should be doing. Absolutely the last thing. Unless they're like Fabregas maybe uh, and Cahill, you know, those players in the kind of twilight of their careers, I don't, I wouldn't be letting Bakayoko go uh, and I would be looking to bring back some of those players. Drinkwater, yeah, uh, yeah I, th- I think Barkley's a good prospect. I, I slightly disagree with Joe there. I think with the right mentoring and everything he he would have a big future um but i i yeah drink water i can probably see going as well because i think he's just a, another scott parker maybe a bit um uh over you know uh, over what we need a uh, bit excess bit of excess mm. so you know but I, I i'm quite i'm quite upbeat about some of these players and i think we are seeing the fruits of the loan system finally coming through and there are you know names that we would all i think happily accept back for next season. Mm, well, we will see. Yeah. I I wonder if um if Van Van Hinkle is uh, is known to the known to his fellow players as Rip. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been saving that one up for? Christ Almighty! The joke about fi- about, fi- about five <laughs> minutes, Joe. <laughs> five seasons <laughs> since we bought him. 
<laughs> yeah, since we bought him, yeah. since we bought him. Yeah. Um, listen, let's just wrap this part up with a bit of a chat about Conte, Joe. Um, you know, the reality is that that's his 50th win in the Premier, or 50th win for Chelsea, and, and that makes him the third quickest to do it behind Mourinho and Pep Guardiola. So he's in very, very good company. You know, I have no doubt that he is a very, very good manager, although I accept and agree with Jonathan that he, you know, he's had a, you know, he's been wandering around like a bad smell at Cobham all, all, all year, and I'm sure that that's contributed a lot to the malaise that we have for all the reasons that we know about. My, my fear is this, Joe, is that if, if he does go, and let's be honest, it very much sounds like, uh, like, he, like he might well be, who out there is better than Conte, let's say, of last season. Because last season he was superb. So, you know, who who out there is better than him? That's what worries me. Um, last season, very difficult. Um, but then I think maybe this season we've seen more of what Conte is, is like when he has European football to deal with, when he has, you know, things haven't necessarily gone his way in the, in the transfer market completely. And maybe this is more of a fair reflection of, of Conte. And I also looked at the players as well last season. I think some of them definitely played above their level because they were only playing once a week and, and maybe we would give them that benefit of the doubt as well as Conte. But I, I, I just, I generally feel that the club will be heading in a, a really different direction. And I think we, what we've seen largely for the past, maybe five years is a very specific style of, of manager in Mourinho and, and, and Conte having this uh, you know, incredibly rigid way of, of, of doing things and very defensive, very reactive, um, very, I think overcoached in some respects. And, I think the club will, will probably depart from that. And, and in that case, I don't think necessarily you're looking at someone who possibly has the, the world's greatest CV. You know, I don't think you're looking at someone who's going to come in, who's won you know, a, a you know, multitude of, of titles and cups, etc. I think you're potentially going to be looking at someone who who plays a specific style of football. And you're, I'm looking at someone like a, a Sari or a Tuchel or one of these kinds of managers, Jardim at Monaco comes to mind, who who play the style of football, which I think the club are seem to be trending towards. They have a lot of the, the, the kind of the core players to do that. Um, and, and that for me, I think that's that's kind of the direction they're going to head in. Whether, the, whether it works out, it's going to require a serious, serious change of direction at, at the top in terms of uh, how the club runs itself, how they run the footballing side of things, um, whether they introduce a, a kind of footballing direction or philosophy. I think a lot of that is going to play into how successful the next coach is. But I, I can see them going for someone who potentially is a little bit lesser known. I think we've had a, a very, uh, we're quite a, very favourable to flavour of the flavour of the month managers. And I think when we went with Conte last season, he was obviously doing fantastic with, with Italy. He had the uh, the trophies with Juventus, etc. as well. And maybe that's not the direction they're going to go in from the, going forward. Maybe they're going to look to, in a similar way that they've been trying to buy in younger players and develop them. Maybe they'll get in a manager who doesn't quite have the CV, but they'll let him develop his CV uh, at Chelsea. So, Someone who can come in and, and instill a style of football that's that's more attacking, more forward-thinking, more modern, um, and, and give them the, the time to to build and the time to potentially win trophies in a different way. Mm. We shall see, no doubt. Uh, now uh, we're going to go for a quick break. Jonathan, no doubt, needs to have his half-time wee-wee. Uh, but after that, uh, we're going to have a look at the FA Youth Cup final. Uh, it's on as we speak, and Chelsea are one nil up, I believe. Yep. Uh, happy Gilmore. That famous uh, Adam Sandler character scored the opener for Chelsea. Yes. Uh, apart from all of that, we're going to ask, uh, are there other options than Wembley for a temporary move, It given, well, it being that uh, uh, Saeed Khan, or whatever his name is, has uh, 
decided to buy Wembley. Uh, and more to the point, we're going to demand that you vote for Gion, Alex and Breathe Chelsea in the Football Blogging Awards to make up for the fact that you singularly let the Chelsea fancast down by not voting enough for us so we would get into the final. It's, I still love you, don't worry. It's, it's all good for me. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, great to have with me, as usual, Jonathan Kidd. Woohoo! And the lovely Tony Glover. Good evening. And the massive-brained Joe Tweedy. <laughs> evening, Chich. So there you go. Right, uh, now, uh, in the half-time break, uh, I was able to catch up uh, with the Youth Cup final, which is uh, very apposite, because that's the next topic on the agenda. Um, and I have to say, chaps, the five or ten minutes I've just been watching, they play better football than I've seen from the first team all season. They can defend... They press, they tackle, they've got, you know, they've got steel and their passing is quick and always going forward. It is a joy to watch this team. And the reality is it's not just this team, it's the youth team of the last five or six years. They are quite phenomenal and they're already 1-0 up, uh, which means that Arsenal have got to score four goals to win this tie. And I cannot see them doing that myself, but touching wood very quickly. Um, but we've been churning them out year on year on year on year. Again, as I said, they all play excellent football. Uh, there's some there's some some top players playing for them. Hudson and Doy, obviously Sterling, we know about Ampadu earlier on, of course, but there are others too. 
Um, I mean, Joe, first up, are, are there any are there any more prospects in this team before we get into the whole kind of, well, will any of them break through? But, I mean, you know, are there any more prospects, you think, in this team? Yeah, there, there's, there's a couple, actually, and, and quite a few defenders. So you have... Uh, I think England's World Cup winning under-17 duo, you've got uh, Mark Guayhey and Jonathan Panzo uh, are both playing centre-half. And I think you've, you've probably seen, if you've been watching, they've made two excellent, excellent tackles in the past maybe five, ten minutes. And I think it's uh, yeah. Panzo is the one who I, I think is, is really, really interesting to me because uh, he is he's probably already six foot two, six foot three. Um, stylistically, he's he's very much like a sort of young Rio Ferdinand, but... There are there are clips of him on the internet for some of these sort of football you know, football content sites on YouTube where he's playing sort of five aside and he's doing sort of flip flaps and nutmegging people and, and and sort of various sort of tricks and stuff like that and you're thinking this is like a six two six three centre half who really when it comes to it, I mean he definitely loves putting his foot in he loves being a defender but he's got so much ability and he's left footed which I think obviously goes a long long way he is one who I think potentially if, if they uh, are developing uh, players you know looking at a left side centre half he reminds me of, of a little bit of uh, kind of Kurt Zuma in, in terms of how physically he plays the game but he has so much technique and ability on the ball um, potentially someone who could go out on lane quite early in their career I know that there were Rumours, at least servicing this week, that both Ajax and PSV were looking to buy him um, buy him this this summer. And I think potentially when you see guys like Jaden Sancho of, of Manchester City, who's now starting every week for Borussia Dortmund, I think a lot of these younger English players who are seeing their, their pathways maybe blocked in terms of first-team football at the clubs they are, are potentially going to look to move abroad. So definitely one to keep an eye on because I think, you know, for terms of both... Yeah, a very very stylish centre half, but he has a very traditional kind of way. Of, you know, if there's a 50-50 to be won, he's going to win the ball, and then he maybe will nutmeg someone and then pass the ball off. But I really like him. Uh, Castillo, the left back, is one I think we've we've spoken briefly about before. I think particularly, you know, in terms of a uh, modern fullback play, you know, this is a guy who probably is a better version of Patrick van Aanholt at this sort of similar age. Very very good going forward. Very good left foot. Very aggressive. Um, you know, I think again he's another one who in the uh, What's it that that uh, cup competition they played in earlier in the year where they got knocked out by Exeter? You know, against men in their sort of you know mid twenties, he was someone who was very very capable of playing at that level. Um, and I think the the big one would be the captain tonight, Reese James. So this is a guy who, I think, if you actually look at him, and I think remember watching some of the uh, some of the Leicester fans commenting on them in the FA Youth Cup by saying that you know this guy would start for us like next week, like he was he played so well. I think he's probably going to be a right back. He's very 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 physically strong, very quick, very powerful. But he's a fantastic defender, great on the ball. And, you know, I think when we were we were looking at earlier, talking about uh, people to, to potentially give Victor Moses a run for his money, James could be that player. He, he could just uh, graduate straight into the first team. He has the physicality. I think he's definitely got the ability. And, you know, he is the captain tonight. So I think that says a lot about how, uh, how Jody Morris rates him. Joe, do you think that... Absolutely right. Can I just ask a question? Sorry, go on, JK. Joe, do you think that Zuma will, will uh, return to the fold? I think he could. I mean, I, I think Zuma in the right uh, in the right setup, I think he's going to be a good player. I don't think he's a back three centre-half. Um, I think if you put him in a back two with maybe Christensen or someone else, um, I think he's particularly well. I know a lot of people make out about him on the ball and that he's sometimes he doesn't necessarily have the, the control over his body, but he's one of the only defenders I remember, particularly when he's been put on Aguero, Harry Kane, the, the top forwards in the league, that he really has put them in his pocket for a game. And, and again, all this was, was before he got injured, but I still have a lot of hopes that he could potentially come back and, and maybe play for a different manager. Because um, I, I think he has, you know, he has the aggression, he's got the athleticism, he's got the size, He's got everything that you would want from a centre-half. I think maybe he just needs the, 
the coaching to refine his game a little bit. But I do like him. Um, and I think he's definitely got the right attitude. And again, he's another one of these players that, that comes back and is of a sufficient level in the Premier League where you don't have to go out and spend 40, 50 million pound on someone. You could probably bring him in and hopefully, you know, if you can add, add some stuff to his game, I think he's a great player, potential captain. I, I, I've always thought of him as a, as, as a potential captain. Mm, interesting times. Um, one of the other things I wanted to pick up on, Joe, uh, obviously quite relevant for tonight, because Jody Morris is managing the yeah. under-18s who are hopefully going to uh, win the FA Cup Youth Final, which, of course, you know, it'll be the fifth time in a row, uh, which will emulate the Busby Babes. But, uh, you know, in amongst all the talk of uh, Conte earlier on, I mean, one of the things we didn't mention, of course, is that uh, last summer he lost Steve Holland, yeah. uh, who I think should be credited with a lot of our success uh, and I think that actually Chelsea tend to do a lot better, in my opinion, when we've got a an English guy who uh, is familiar with the culture of the club as the number two. But they have to be a decent coach too. Do you think that Jody Morris has earned his spurs and, and deserves promotion to the management team? I'm not saying to be the manager, because yeah. I just don't see that myself. But as certainly as a number two or, or definitely high up in the management team for Conte or whoever comes in. I think so, yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, Jody is is probably one of the most sort of Chelsea through and through people at the club. I mean, he was born with what I council slate about two minutes down the road from Stamford Bridge. So, and, and I think the one thing that you, that you see from him is that he 100% has, uh, you know, the club's best interests at his heart and at his core. From a coaching standpoint, I mean, you just have to look at the, the team that he's, that he's coaching this season. I mean, obviously, yeah, he has some fantastic players and I think you'd be the first to admit that he's obviously got a great score to work with. But, he is consistently producing a, a style of football which is fantastic to watch. They're great passes, they're great technicians, but equally, you know, when the sort of chips are down, they get stuck in. You know, they, they, they're happy to play on the counter with their backs to the wall. You know, they, they're a very, very, um, you know, kind of multifaceted team where potentially the first team are potentially slightly one-dimensional in how they play. The the academy, and particularly the 18s that Jody looks after, are... Can, can hurt you in so many different ways. I mean, you know, they're playing essentially a 3-4-3 tonight. I mean, it's looked about maybe four or five different shapes throughout the, the, you know, the first half alone at the moment. They're so fluid in how they play and how they coach. And yeah, I mean, I think adding him to the first team and then it also gives you a, a link to some of the academy players coming through, you know. So you've got someone kind of fighting in their corner a bit when it comes to uh, team selection and, and potentially bringing some of them through as well. But, you know, I think he's he's obviously incredibly well thought of at the club. Um, I think he definitely has a bright future in management. You know, and the thing is as well, if you look at the the, the team and the, the players, every single one of them wants to play for him. They they enjoy playing for him. You can see it and how they play. Bringing that into the into the first team, I think, would be a a really really interesting move. Um, and then also you've got Joe Edwards as well, who uh, I think people have maybe slightly forgotten because obviously Jody is is now with the 18s in the FA Youth Cup, but. Edwards as well is, you know, he's got all of his coaching badges. He's another incredibly young prospect who's, who's a fantastic coach. You know, you hear things from uh, the guys at the FA and, and, and uh, you know, looking at him as a potential person to, to come and bring into sort of the under-21s and, and and those sorts of things in the future. So I actually think, you know, while we're developing young players, we are developing a, a really kind of uh, interesting conveyor belt of, of management talent as well. And, yeah, I would love to see Jody promoted to the, to the first team squad in some capacity and maybe even with Joe Edwards as well. So I, 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 oh, I, Joe, of course. Just look, sorry, go on, Tony. I was just looking in, in Mixler, and it's, you know, Paul, Paul Crowder was uh, agreeing with me and, and saying that you, if you think of uh, what we spoke about during the, the, the break with how, um, you know, coming in to coach the team, and then if you put Jody as his right-hand man, yeah. it's that immediate connection back to all of the youth and all of the pipeline 
Christ, I'm, I'm falling into work mode here. The pipeline <laughs> of future talent. Joe probably gets what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, but if you look at that, that that could be quite a formidable and, yep. and refreshing change. Uh, you know, one that I think the fans would 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 certainly get behind and perhaps give some time for that relationship to develop and build. <laughs> You know, especially in light of, you know, new stadium and other stuff and, and spending uh, and budget limitations. Uh, just a thought. Mm, it's an interesting thought. Uh, Joe Edwards, of course, took the uh, the under-19s to the, cham- the equivalent of the Champions League uh, <coughs> final, which, of course, we lost against Barcelona last week. So, yeah, he's good and all. Um, right, I just want to move this on because uh, I want to talk very quickly about Wembley. Um, or as Ian Jury put it, uh, he had a bit of Wembley up as you know what. Uh, so, so uh, Saeed Khan is, uh, is is apparently going to buy Wembley, um, uh, and there seems, the jury seems to be out as to whether this is you know makes it more likely for Chelsea to end up playing there when we move away from the bridge, or or less likely. Um, you know, I know for a fact that uh, that we're not going to move anywhere uh, until after twenty twenty one, and then it's going to take four years to. Uh, to to rebuild the ground, and we, as we know, these projects tend to overrun. But we're going to have to spend four years away somewhere. To my knowledge, the club are not keen on going to Wembley. Uh, they're also not keen uh, to go to the London Stadium. Um, Twickenham is off the table because there's so much local resistance to it. It doesn't really leave a lot of options, does it? Uh, Jonathan, you said you had some uh, blue bollocks or blue Peter news about that. <laughs> Blue trousers, kid. Blue trousers. He, blue, he, he was out. Blue trousers. He was okay. on his bike in the cold today, so blue bollocks is quite possibly ah, true. Very yeah. appropriate. Very, true. very appropriate. Blue cock, I think, in fact, is much better. Um, excuse me. Um, uh, Wembley is uh, uh, not off the table, um, and they think that it's more likely that uh, it would be um, that Khan would want to do a different deal because he's a businessman. And in fact, um, uh, it makes it slightly more attractive, would you believe? This is what I was told. Um, and so the, the, uh, the opposition saying that he would never be involved with anybody wanting to ground share just seems to be they, they were feeling was ridiculous, given that he's a businessman and given that uh, um, he wants to get revenue from the stadium. So um, they think it's therefore more likely, but still not, um, not uh, a bit accomplished. Uh, and the other thing that I was bemused about was apparently uh, Twickenham has come back into the running. Oh, really? Yes, I was told that they think that would be slightly more appropriate. Um, well, who's they? Uh, who's they? I'm afraid I can't give you my sources. Well, OK, I- I'll answer it for you. The club think it'll be more appropriate. But, I mean, you know, the level of local resistance. Yes. I mean, there's a very active community there who have got their, you know, they're not, you know, they're very, very nimby-ish. They, they galvanised the previous MP, uh, Dr. Matthias. Vince Cable's now the incumbent MP. He's not going to go against them. And the RFU have also downplayed it as well because they don't want to up upset the locals either. So the club may want to go there, but the local community certainly don't want us there. No, but I think, I think perhaps there has been more um, politicising than, uh, than we're aware of. I think they've made... Um, uh, progress in that area uh but uh it's before they were saying it was impossible whereas now uh they're saying it's not impossible so well i would hope so yeah, yeah. so uh i would hope so i would hope so because i mean you know i agree with you with what you say about uh 
you know, perhaps Khan buying Wembley makes it more likely in a sense because there won't be the politics that you'd have with the FA doing the deal. And as you say, Khan is a businessman and he want to make revenue, which he could do. There's also, of course, a precedent with Tottenham going there. So that wouldn't be the issue that it was before they went there. Uh, the only issue I know of is the fact that it's an absolute shithole. We don't really want to go there. And, but and I also know that the club... Difficult. Well, exactly. I mean, the, the experience I had the other weekend was a nightmare. But, uh, you know, I also know that the club would consider all sorts of things like transporting us from uh, Stamford Bridge up to Wembley so we could drink in the same area. That, I mean, the club are going the extra mile for a lot of things behind the scenes. Um, and in, incidentally, on this point, we're very much hoping, the supporters trust this is, are very much hoping to uh, have a, a, a quick uh, SGM. We owe you all an SGM, but we've had a nightmare trying to organise them because of the fixture scheduling. Um, but we're going to try and get one organised for uh, May the 12th, which is the day before the um, Newcastle match. Uh, and we've got firmed up. We've got Hugh Rosen as the guest. Hugh is basically the guy who's in charge of the redevelopment at Stamford Bridge. So he will be able to give everybody a really good update on where that's all going and what the plans are. So that is one not to miss. It's yet to be confirmed because we've got to find a venue. But to uh, keep that stored in your noodle, likely to be about three o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. Um, but anyway, yeah, Wembley has its problems, but I know the club will try and mitigate that. Twickenham would be by far more favourable because, of course, so many Chelsea supporters on the whole tend to live in that southwest corridor. Uh, and, uh, you know, that would be a bit easier to get to per se. The bottom line is, Jonathan, is that actually wherever they have it, it's going to, you know, you can't please all the people all the time. You know, there are going to be loads of people who, who are supporters of Chelsea who live in the, you know, in the east of London who would love to go to London Stadium. There are those that live in the north of London who would love to go to Wembley. There are those that, like me, who would rather not go anywhere and say, sod, sod the other 20-odd thousand, let's go to Fulham. You know, you're, not, you're never going to please all the people on this, are you? No, never. Never. I think the Fulham has been ruled out. That was the impression that I got. Um, well, unless they unless they expand the ground. Yes. I mean, they've only got a capacity of around 25,000, which would just about accommodate all of our season ticket holders. Bear in mind, you've got to have an away allocation of 5%. Bear in mind, they want to have corporates there too. It's going to make it really hard, isn't I it? I think the capacity is, is one of the very relevant things. I think that's why only the bigger stadia then become uh, um, the focal point. Uh, uh, um, uh, the Emirates was... was um, strongly ruled out by the people I spoke to, so that was really unlikely. Because that basically because Arsenal don't want to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. And what about because there was a rumor? Martin Lipton uh, came out with an article uh, yesterday, and Martin's a very, very bright and very respected journalist. I've got a lot of time for Martin Lipton. He's a super chap, and he came out with an article saying that uh, the London Stadium is back on the uh, agenda as well because they've. They've said that they would not be averse to another club sharing with West Ham. Now, that wasn't them saying that Chelsea had approached, but, I mean, you can put two and two together and add five, Jonathan. I think they're putting it out there because they could do with the revenue, couldn't they? But uh, I think that would be a, a recipe for disaster, don't you, Chidge? Don't you think they'd be? Well, it, it, I, I, I wouldn't go. That would be me done, mate. I'm not, I mean, I, I, would, I would like... I would go... I would like. I would. I would rather go to Wembley than the London Stadium, and I don't want to go to Wembley. So you know that says it all. I'm sorry. I've got. I've got a tweet here. Akshay Moray, Martin Lipton, Spurs fan. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Akshay. But I know Martin, and Martin is one of the most intelligent football journalists going. And he's. I know he can come up. Come. You know he can be very Spursy on Twitter. But if you know him, and I do, he's an incredibly smart and very reasonable guy. Actually, he doesn't have an agenda like many people do in the media. 
uh, weird of me to d- defend a journalist and a Spurs fan, but there you go. Um, right, enough of that, because this is obviously a story that will go run, run and run. And as I said, I will let you know about this special general meeting with uh, Hugh Rosen as soon as I know. But if you're able to, get along, because you'll, you'll get... Uh, you won't have to rely on blue bollocks or blue Peter. You can get it from the horse's mouth, which is much more interesting. Right, uh, we have our usual parish notices here. Now, whilst I'm very, very disappointed in you all, and I really am, I, I really am disappointed in you all that you did not vote enough for us to make the finals of the Football Blogging Awards for uh, Best Football Podcast. I really can't understand how, how we didn't get in, actually, because I've looked at who has, and they're all complete no marks. None of the big hitters have made it to the final, including us. None of the previous winners. Something very weird is going on. The, the only thing I can say is that I think that we have become like uh, a pair of old slippers, and that uh, familiarity has bred contempt, and that you didn't get out and vote for us. But... Uh, on the other hand, I was also very, very busy, so uh, I didn't get the vote out. So I shall take the responsibility myself. But I'm delighted to say that you can all redeem yourselves. You can redeem yourselves and make up for it and not incur my wrath. And you can do that because uh, whilst we didn't uh, get in, our uh, nominating and support of the wonderful uh, Gion Carbis and Alex Churchill, uh, she, you know, she being uh, the girl who likes balls, of course, Clearly work, because they both got nominated to the finals. So, uh, Heon's been nominated for Best Young Football Blogger, and Alex has been voted for Best New Football Blog. So, you really got to go out and vote. The voting ends on May the 7th. It's very easy to do. And also, by the way, we've got our mates who are lovely, Luke and his mates uh, at Breathe Chelsea. Uh, they've been nominated for the uh, best football club content, and they're all Chelsea. So go and vote for them. This is how you do it. If you're on Twitter, you go in there and you write this: I am voting in the at, I am voting in at the FBAS for at CFCGWLB in the category hashtag FBA new blog hashtag FBAS for Heon. You vote. I am voting in at the FBAS for at Carbis LLI in the category hashtag FBA young blogger hashtag FBAS and for Breathe Chelsea you vote I am voting in at the FBAs for at Breathe Chelsea C-H-E-L-S in the category hashtag FBA football club hashtag FBAS uh, if you don't do Twitter don't worry you can uh, you can just go to their website which is very easy I'll, uh, I would put the link on but I can't kind of take it from the paper and put it on the uh, the Mixler chat room. Perhaps Gion can do that because he's on his computer now. But basically, go to footballbloggingawards.co.uk forward slash about forward slash vote hyphen now hyphen football hyphen blogging hyphen awards and you can vote on there. All right, so you know what to do. And on, on the website, it's Gion Carbis, Breathe Chelsea and CFC GWLB. Please vote for them. We need a Chelsea win. In the absence of the Chelsea fan cast, our coefficient will go down if these people don't win. It's that simple. Right, uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust. I mentioned about a potential SGM on the 11th, uh, sorry, the 12th of May. Um, but beyond that, uh, join the trust, of course. Get your voice heard by the club. It's free to join up to be a member. Uh, but if you want a shiny badge and you want to vote and attend meetings like the SGM, then you need to pay £5 a year. Uh, it's easy to do. Sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com and then you can do all of that. And you can also follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. Now, some of you, uh, the more intelligent amongst you, no doubt, will have realised that um, the Supporters Trust annual survey has been launched. But it's been out for about a week or so now. Uh, the members got first dibs, as they always do, but it's now open for anybody who is a Chelsea supporter to complete. 
the easiest thing to do is just go to the homepage on the website chelseasupporterstrust.com and you'll you'll find a link to the survey there or uh, just check out their Twitter feed at Chelsea S Trust. It's on there. I will be tweeting it out from the Chelsea Fancast, various accounts, and all of that malarkey. So there you go. Now it'll <laughs> run to the end of May, uh, and it really is important to the trust because it gives us an idea of you know where you all stand on the various issues such as ticket access, pricing, kickoff times, fixture scheduling, safe standing, atmosphere, the redevelopment, all of those very important issues. The more people who fill it in the more of a voice we have when we take it to the club which is what we do every year when we've done it so there you go uh the last issue of the season of cfc uk is now available uh i have written one that has got nothing to do with football it's all about chelsea and punk so get your lug holes around that uh and if you can't get the cfc uk in person because it'll be available on the stall and all, all the rest of the games this season but if you can't get it at the game you can get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net uh, and if you're in the USA, follow at CFC UK USA. Uh, finally, 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 our, our weekly huge hats doffed and thank you to the lovely people who have uh, signed up uh, to support this show with a little bit of money each month. And they do that on the Patreon website, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, it's very, very kind of you. And we really appreciate it. You don't really have to. It's it, There's no pressure. If you, if you feel uh, that you wish to support us and subscribe to Patreon... Uh, it gives us a little bit of money each week uh, or each month so that we can uh, I can buy a beer. No, no. So it just kind of goes to the running costs, really. And it's very sweet of you to do so. As I keep saying, I, I have a grand plan, by the way. I'm hatching a plan. I'm going to try, when it's a little bit quieter for me over the summer, keep in touch with you a bit more. But I'm hatching a plan of what I can use some of the Patreon money for to involve you and make you feel wonderful about doing it. I will say no more about it until I've hatched the plan fully and then can reveal it. But to watch this space, I will communicate with you via Patreon more. I've been rubbish this season, I know. But most of all, thank you so much for donating. You all know who you are. I don't have enough time to read out all the names, but there you go. Go to patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast, sign up, donate a bit of money each month, and it keeps me happy. There you go. Now, what else keeps me happy is uh, Jonathan Kidd, reading out emails now we only have one this week but it's an absolute belter and it's rather long so uh, i'm looking forward to that and then after that we're just going to get wonderfully self-indulgent and pat ourselves on the back for having been here for 10 years see you in a sec real fans real opinions i'm jason cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. You're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, I've got the fantastic Jonathan Kidd and Tony Glover and wonderful Joe Tweeds all with us tonight. And we've had some good talk about Chelsea. Uh, and this uh, is time for a bit of, uh, you know... Bit of uh, email readage from Jonathan, but also a bit of uh, self-indulgence from me, really, because of course we, we we celebrated a very momentous landmark on Saturday with our the anniversary of ten years of doing the Chelsea Fancast. But before all of that, we've got a wonderful email from Kevin Franklin, Jonathan. Kevin it's a long Franklin. one. Strap yourselves in. Very long, very long. Yes. Hello to Chidge and the team. I've been listening to your podcast from episode three nine six. So I guess I'm a fairly new listener. It's great being able to listen to you whilst working, hearing all the different views, opinions and experiences that involve our beloved Chelsea. You hear the expression of 
proper Chels. You need to say it like you heard Kunde, Kunde, Kunde say it to give it that passionate effect as he says it well. So, Chidge, how would that be? Would you like to do it for us? Proper Chels. <laughs> yes, indeed. Used a lot by many and various different Chelsea fans. Though I do tend to hear it more so from the old school fans who have seen it <laughs> <Old> all. <school. laughs> and were there when we were shit. Now, my dilemma with this is that I'm not an old school, seen it all, and were there when we were shit fan, as I'm only 36 and have been supporting Chelsea since 1996. I'm also from Australia and am not an expat. I grew up in a different time and country to a lot of these proper Chelsea fans. Soccer, as it's known here in Australia, is not our first sport. It was not a sport where I grew up, was, was overly accepted or taken to per se. I grew up in Victoria, where Australian rules football, AFL, is the sport which you played, or netball if you were female. Our town very much lived around the football and netball club. We did have a soccer team, but it wasn't really very popular in the town or area, and the sport was generally referred to... Can, can we to, really say that? Can we really say that? I don't think we can say I don't that. think we can say what he, what, he, what he generally refers to, because that's well out of order. Oh, Chidge, I was, I was really waiting to see how JK was going to get around that. No, I, I saved him because yeah. I think that's out of order. You can't, you, we can't say that. I'll, 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 I'll say the sentence again, but not say it and see if people can get it. We yeah. did have a soccer Sorry, team, to jump in. but it was not really popular in the town or area and the sport was generally referred to as boop ball. I haven't given it away at all. You, but could, any, you, could, yeah. you could do a, what's his name on it? Um, spoonerism, couldn't you? Just call it something like bog wall. Glow wall. No. <laughs> yes. Glow ball. Bogwall. I like Bogwall. Like Bogwall, Bog yeah. yeah. That works. Yeah, yeah, good. I played a lot of sports growing up as I love sport. My AFL team are the Carlton Blues, and the favourite colour is blue. I remember the first game I saw Chelsea play. It was a game replayed on TV, and I kind of only paid part attention to it. I heard that a team on the pitch were called the Blues and decided I'd back them. Thank goodness he wasn't watching Birmingham anyway. Lo and behold... <laughs> They won the match, and I knew they were my team from there on in. Of course, back in those days, the internet was not a thing, so information on my new team was limited to a small section of games, results, and the table in the back pages of the sports section. This was the only way I was able to keep up with our progress. My first jersey was the Umbro Autoglass-sponsored home jersey, which I stumbled across in a local store. Again, only being able to see how we were doing by the tiny little back page score and table section. I saw that we were doing well, so I wore the shirt with pride. I will admit I knew nothing about the club, none of the players or of our history, but they were my team. Throughout the next 10 years, I was able to find out a little bit more of the club and its players and history. My work was very remote, so things weren't as easy to find out from the internet as areas where I was didn't have access. In 2007, I did what every young Aussie does and got my working holiday visa to England. I was excited to get to a game to see Chelsea play, but found out pretty quick that you just can't rock up to a game and get a ticket like you can here in Oz, as you need to be a member. Working in pubs, as all us Aussies end up doing, didn't pay much or allow me to attend matches even if I wanted to. The best I got to seeing Chelsea was on the TV or the day I went to the bridge to get my new jersey. I'll fast forward another 10 years. So by the time you read this, which I hope is your next show, it is, it is, I will be en route to London to see Chelsea play. I'm heading over to see a mate of mine who I met in Oz when he was living here. He's from Newcastle, poor fella, and relocated back home when he started his family. 
For the past three years, we've been saying about getting over to see Chelsea versus Newcastle at St. James's Park, but never really made an attempt to have it happen. Nine months ago on their promotion last year, I thought, fuck it, I'm going, it's happening. I waited anxiously for the draw to come out. I was only hoping the game was the second half of the season to help me save more for the trip. Lo and behold, it's the last game of the season. Perfect. So I looked at what was the game beforehand, praying it would be a home game that I'd come over and see before heading north. Liverpool. I saw on the draw and thought, how great is that? My first game I will see live will be against Liverpool at Stamford Bridge. How great is that? The next day I booked my flights to come over. My return flight was the FA Cup final weekend. As the FA Cup season went on, I was getting nervous. I'd made a mistake and booked my flight back on the wrong date in case we'd made it. What luck. We've made the FA Cup final and I'm due to fly home. After a very sheepish conversation with my girlfriend, that she's also coming on the trip, I asked how she would feel if I pushed my ticket back so I could go to the FA Cup final. It's fair to say I was not met. It was not met with enthusiasm from her. After weighing up all my options, I let her know that I was staying back. There's a lot more to this story, but I will move on. I think so. <laughs> so to go back to my question to you guys, is it because of my background that I've just shared a small part of it to you that I'm not from Chelsea, London? I'm not from a time of when we were shit and I'm not able to go week in, week out to see Chelsea play. I don't know all of our players from the past and a lot of our history, so cannot therefore be included as proper Chelsea that I hear so many people go on about when hearing stories of their time and that how if you weren't there, you don't know. If you're not from those times, to them, you can't be. I feel that I am a proper Chelsea supporter. I do support the team. I don't bag them out and I support them through everything. Australian expression, I think. I won't get online, bag them out and call for heads to roll. My Carlton Blues are in 18 years of pain and I'm still loyal to them as the day I was born. My support for Chelsea will be the same through thick and thin. It's hard to articulate what I'm trying to say here. And we'd love to meet you guys and Alex for a pint or 10 before or after the game to get to know the men and women behind this great show you do for us and talk more about our great club and other random stuff. Let me know, Kevin. Well, my view that, that he, is, he is proper Chelsea because he's supporting us from the other side of the world. I, think that's yeah. I, I love our Aussie fans. I I often get some messages from Russ Saunders, Mr. Grumpy in Oz. Yeah. Um, and, and I have some great conversations with him. And, of course, I, he'll always – I will remember him forever because after we won the Premiership under Mourinho, standing outside the Finn, as we all were, Chidge, he was walking around dishing out yes. pizza to everybody. It's fabulous. Was, it? fantastic. And I, I just love him. So if he's, if this guy's about, this Kevin's about, um, uh, or Kevin with the psychopathic Australian accent you've just done, JK, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it would be great. I mean, Kev, if you're listening, mate, uh, we'll be in the cock. Mm. There we go. I mean, Joe, have you got any... Th- I've got strong feelings on this, but Joe, have you got any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a, an acceptance out that the claims just become so incredibly global now, particularly the Premier League. It's it's in every single corner of the globe. And I can imagine if you're getting up at like one o'clock in the morning to watch a game. I mean, to put it into context, I, I'm, I'm a huge Minnesota Vikings fan in NFL, but I, I don't stay up until two in the morning to watch them on a Sunday because I've got work in the morning. Whereas I know for a fact that near enough, a lot of the Chelsea supporters that I encounter that are watching games at ridiculous hours are watching at like two, three in the morning 
then going to work or they're getting up at the crack of dawn, you know, on, on a Saturday to watch games. And you know, I think that there's a, there's a, there's a kind of like a new commitment in terms of fans. It's not just going every week. It's not just those who, who have the the privilege, obviously, of, of going home in a way. I think there's a there's kind of some sort of acknowledgement now that there is kind of a new breed of fan. And I think as long as you are you are supporting, you know, rather than just sort of criticising and just being negative all the time. Then, yeah, I mean, for me, that, that there is a, a definition or an extension of, of being a proper Chelsea fan, which I think now is is extended uh, globally, not just to those who, who go to uh, every game, basically, yeah. Mm. I mean, to be honest, I, th- I think, you know, the bottom line is, Kevin, the, 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 the term proper Chelsea is, you know, it's just a saying, really, isn't it? Um, I don't think it really means it's a lifestyle choice, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that, but I mean, it, it's just it's just kind of a, a saying. It's like up the chels, you know, proper chels, you know. I don't know. Maybe if it maybe it means, if anything, you're right. Maybe it does mean old school people who've been supporting the club. You know, you've got to remember actually, Kevin, how, and and I think that all of the boys have, have, have touched on this. But you've got to remember how much the support has changed over the last 50 years, really, probably more, you know, as has football in this country, of course, largely because of the Premier League. But, you know, 50 or so years ago, uh, it was more likely that if you were a Chelsea supporter, you, you grew up living near the near the ground. It's kind of what everybody did. Everybody supported their local team. Uh, football was also very much a, a working-class game. I mean, it's not to say that, you know, only working-class people went... Um, but, you know, generally you could say that that was the case. So it was a very, very different game. So I suspect it kind of harks back to that, and anybody who's kind of redolent of that era, mm. you know, who's been going forever, home and away, who's who's like fourth, fifth, sixth generation Chelsea fan, you would probably say quite rightly, they are proper Chelsea. Mm. Uh, you know, by that, to- by, that, by that measurement, I certainly am not. I mean, I'll tell you what I do think, Kevin. I think that there is... Uh, you know, a, a lot of people like to be very kind of uh, 2018 about it and, and try and make everybody equal, which I think is a load of old arse gravy perpetuated by politicians in the main. It's bollocks, mate. I've always felt that there was a hierarchy of supporter. I really do. You know, somebody who's been supporting the club for 50 years has gone to every match, home and away, for the last 50 years, whose family are fifth, sixth generation. They're a better bloody supporter than I am, and I don't mind admitting that. But the other side of that coin, Kevin, is that it's not your fault that you're young. It's not your fault that you were born in Australia. And it's not your fault that you've, you know, signed up to a life of suffering by supporting Chelsea. So in, in some respects, that, that, doesn't make, that doesn't make you any less of a, of a, of a Chelsea supporter, no. does it? I think, but, I think it's the ability... You know, I think that, Sorry, I was going to say, I think it's the ability to... No, go and jump in, mate. Yeah, it's the ability to take the suffering, isn't it? That's the thing, because let's face it, yeah. for, for us of a certain age, there's there's still a greater proportion of that than there has been uh, of the good stuff. And I, this is why I always consider myself as proper Chelsea, because when the season used to finish, yeah, and before I, I discovered the delights of cricket... Um, uh, back in the old days, back in the very, very old days, um, you know, my dad used to come home with the sun, or and we used to have the sun basically, you know, uh, uh, Monday to Saturday, and then News of the World on a Sunday, I think. And they used to publish the Australian football results, and there was a Chelsea in there. I think they were in the Southwest Victoria League Division Three or something like that, right? And as a young kid, I never understood that that wasn't our Chelsea. I thought that our Chelsea just used to basically get on a plane, go over there and, and play in some league just to keep it going, you know, because we didn't have it on the television or anything like that. And I could never work out um, 
uh, why we were so shit and, until we had a few shit years. <laughs> well, we're crap in this country, but we're crap over there as well. But uh, there you go. That's a sign of proper Chelsea. When you can remember the uh, the Australian club that were called Chelsea. I don't even think or know That's if they right. still I exist. Like you know, but yeah. I think they, they well maybe Kevin, maybe Kevin can let us know when we meet him uh, hopefully in the pub in the cock before and actually to, on that point I shall be busy in the cock I have to be very careful how I say this I should be busy in the cock before the Liverpool game because I will be hosting uh, the the, uh, f- the you know the main the main men from I think they're all men but the main men from the Malaysia official supporters group oh. who have who are coming over who are coming over this weekend. <laughs> to come and watch Chelsea play and they've specifically asked to meet me and a few of the others and I'm going to take them to the stall and I'm going to take them to the cock and, and generally look after them because, you know, that's the point. Um, yes, there are people who are way more proper Chelsea than I'll ever be and I know and love a lot of them but, you know, it doesn't mean that everybody else doesn't isn't worth anything and I, and I, and I do know, you know, how hard it is to follow Chelsea when you live in, you know, California or, or Australia or Malaysia or wherever and, if you put in that much effort to support the club, you're a proper Chelsea as far as I'm concerned. Uh, actually, Rob Coombe uh, just put a lovely thing on Mixler. He says, proper Chelsea means something to me. It speaks to, to a quest to know as much as possible about Chelsea, not just the football, but everything that goes along with it, the podcast being at the top of that list. I, I agree with that, Rob. And I think actually for, for the newer fans, for those that are younger or from abroad or wherever... I think it's incumbent upon you, in a way. It's not just about watching it on the TV and shouting at the box. Go and discover what the culture of the support is all about. Because at the end of the day, the support is what makes Chelsea unique. That's what makes us different from everybody else. So I, I would try and find everything you can about the culture of the support. That's what it's all about. We're the ones that are here forever. Managers, players, come and go. Uh, right, uh, talking of which... Uh, Many thought, many thought, it sounds a bit like a, a, a kind of a Jeremy Clarkson <laughs> Stig intro, doesn't it? Many thought, many thought that the Chelsea fan cast would only last for two weeks when some prick called Chidge opined in a microphone just over 10 years ago. Uh, many thought that, uh, many hoped, in fact, that it would actually <laughs> last a couple of weeks. But, you know, like the proverbial bad penny, uh, I'm afraid we're still here offending your ear holes 10 years later. I cannot. I cannot believe that we are. Uh, I, I, just before I let the others speak, which why <laughs> break the habit of a lifetime or ten years even. Um, what amazes me about this show is that uh, you know, like all great rock and roll bands, the lineup has changed slightly, but the song still very much remains the same. So no matter who we've had on the show, uh, going back those ten years, I, I think the spirit of the show remains very true, even though we've had to go through location changes, let alone. Uh, you know, personnel changes. Uh, and I think that speaks volume, you know, not just to me, of course, but to all of the people that come on it who kind of get it and, and, and keep that, you know, we are different from all the other podcasts. And, 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 I, and I warmly embrace the fact that everybody is different, but we are we are us, we do what we do. We've been doing it for 10 years and clearly a few people like it. So uh, I, I, I feel, feel very proud of that, I have to say. Um, JK, um, you, you have kind of, you, you know, you walked into the Dr. Mart role, which is the... Uh, a very unenviable task, I have to say. Um, what What are your recollections of ten years of doing the fan cast? I've never quite um, worked out what the Doctor Mark role was. Was that uh, 
just being disagreeable. Well, basically, to be bloody useless. I'm going to say, yeah, that's you. what I thought. I was trying to think for a second. Do I do that? Is that me? Is that me? Well, you've, done, you've done that very well, to be fair. <laughs> you refer to me as your right-hand man. I thought you. Uh, it means that I'm clearly sort of right-hand man with his arms broken. Is it that? Is that? Yeah, but, but you know what? You know what I do with my right hand. No, tell us. I write. Oh, good. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, yeah. Big <laughs> right hand. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, well, I mean, though, I, I came in. Uh, I came in very late into the uh, the situation. I was at um, Putney Central, wasn't I? And uh, was invited in. It was a very good fun. You made me very welcome. Um, and you had the young lady. Was it Karen? Was it that was her, her name? Was Lauren? Lauren. Lauren. Yeah, Lauren was Lauren. in it, and uh, um, uh, and Pablo and. Uh, um, uh, and Darren, of course, Darren was there, and uh, it was very good fun. And I remember thinking, I'd like to be on this more often because mm-hmm. I was on the Chelsea bit at the time, and um, uh, but that was sort of sporadic. Um, and so to be given the opportunity to be a, a regular was just fantastic. I was very pleased. So thank you so much for getting me involved. It was it was great to be able to talk about the team. It was superb. I'm trying to think how long ago that was. How long ago was that, Chidge? Three years. Uh, Oh God! I see. I I don't know. I mean, how many years do you think you've been on it? Five. Uh, I don't, we did the telly, which was uh, a, a good try. Um, we had the the wonderful Sophie Rose on it, which was um, yeah. uh, revealing, or not the case, maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we had. Uh, um, uh, yeah, no, I, I wasn't on the. Uh, I wasn't at the uh, Party Central much. <laughs> So subsequently that I was asked to be, you asked me to be involved. And then we went to... Well, I, th- we I'm trying, Pim- can't remember where Pimlico we left a lot. Pimlico was fun. Yeah. I was a bit yeah. daunted when we started. I thought, my goodness, all these wonderful um, characters from the bridge. Um, and then after a bit, I thought, oh, they're just really nice guys, aren't they? Oh, you know, we can all chat about the same thing. You forget suddenly when you're in the, the presence of initially with Marco, somebody of, of great... Um, uh, great history himself, and uh, uh, and a and a writer about the the club, and um, as as are you, Chid, you forget that uh, in fact they're just sweet guys. You know, they, I was slightly in awe of him when he first came on. I thought, oh my god, this guy knows so much, and he's been to games that I never managed to get to, and uh, um, and he's a he's a legend. And uh, after it, you go, oh, all very sweet chaps, actually, isn't it? It's it's really interesting. Uh, it's been it's been a privilege to get to know them and the odd player, of course. And Canners coming on has always been a always been a delight, hasn't it? Him coming on. The show. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's it's gone through various permutations. It's gone through various uh, environments. Um, we're now skyping. We were uh, we were sitting next to each other at uh, in Pimlico in your flat. We were sitting next to each other at. Uh, at Putney Central, and we were weirdly on television most of the time after for that middle period, um, and including that one episode where I attempted to uh, present it and tried to change my shirt at every break, and was always yes, late, always late coming in wearing the shirt because I didn't have enough yeah. time to get it to get the shirt on. Um, I'd bought a size too small on each instance, and it was uh, it was always um, I think I actually came onto the uh, the set and we'd started, and I was still getting the shirt on, so you saw a a bit of my um, ample chest at the time. Um, yes, well, I, 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 I feel a musical analogy coming on to the rock and roll analogy, but I think, uh, you know, our early days when we used to just go to the pub after the after the match, shit-faced, do the podcast, carry on getting shit-faced, very emotionally raw. That was very much our punk phase, you know, kind of garage band punk phase. And I think when we went to uh, to do it on TV, that was our prog rock phase. 
where we got kind of very technological and used lots of gimmicks and things and it all got a bit worse, you know? a bit too co- co- a bit too kind of coke fueled i think for my liking and uh, and then we kind of and then we kind of like had an acoustic phase you know in the flat in pimlico all a bit homely uh, I don't know what this phase is. This is probably the bloated. We're just doing it for the money phase. I don't know. What do you re- What do you reckon, Tony? You like no, no. I think this is this is this is this is your back on the road uh, phase. You know where you've decided to go to smaller venues and make it more personal for people. You know, or or this could be like the streaming like age. You know where you've actually said, you know what, we're too old to go out and do all that sort of stuff. So we're just gonna we'll deliver it to you in the comfort of your own home while we sit in the comfort of our own homes. But it's not uh, the, it's not the karaoke phase. It's not no, the, not the karaoke the backing track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I must admit, it's uh, I I don't know how long I've been doing this regularly. Probably two two years i should think uh, mixed in with, with with the podding shed as well and uh, i had to get that plug in Chich, um as, as you yeah no do, do, um, do. but I, I i i remember my first uh, my first time on um the uh the the, the fan cast and it was when you were on tv uh and uh, we, we did it as a skype video i think at the time uh and i remember yeah. was it greg grimes was either something to do with it i think at the time um, I th- who? Greg, it was was it someone called? Greg? Oh, Greg, Greg, Greg Grimes, yes. Greg Grimes. Yes. Yeah, he was the producer. He was the producer, and I remember him messaging me before and saying like, "You're on in, you know, two minutes or whatever. Um, please don't swear." And I just said this picture. I, every time I see a tweet from Greg Grimes now, I just picture Davina McCall. Okay, so so I'll be I'll be shattered if I ever meet him and he doesn't look anything like her. Um, but yeah, nothing I, like. No, and I but I remember doing that that night um, and and feeling quite honoured by it. You know, thinking, well, this is it's almost like a recognition of uh, of all the work we've done on our old um, you know uh, our old Chelsea blog, me, uh, the Kaiser, Donal, and a few others, um, and and then doing this and it's just seen it move forward. I used to watch it on the TV. I think. Uh, I used to enjoy it on the TV, but it, it it lost the sense of spontaneity, I think, because it was on TV. Yeah. And I think that was yeah, that that's inevitable. When you look at this, um, you know, Arsenal fan TV, a couple of the guys on that, haven't they got some sort of contract with Channel 4 to do the real football fan show? And, and you know, as much yeah. as we criticise Arsenal fan TV, it is hilarious to watch win or lose or draw. You know, they, they've, they've properly tapped into some characters and some stereotypes or whatever, but they'll lose all of that and it will not, translate i don't think yeah. in the same way um as this does but, you know plus i think there's a well the, the the irony the irony of that tony is that i i started doing this show because i was producing football programs yeah. probably very much like the one that they're going to produce on channel four yeah i was doing this professionally producing football programs and i was so fed up with the control and the lack of spontaneity and the lack of actually any understanding of of football supporter culture at all <laughs> that i i i Le- leapt on the chance to do this and saw it as a vehicle to, to get my own back and have some control so I find it hugely ironic that the Arsenal fan TV etc boys are leaping for the opportunity to be on mainstream TV when I ran away from it to do this I know who made the right decision yes That's all I'll say yeah yeah and, and I think uh, it's, but anyway you do you do get a uh, you know, you, you've, you've, as you said to me before, you've, you've run into the sort of the, the, the kind of perennial issue that it's quite difficult to get uh, a mixed up audience because we all know each other, we all meet in the pub or whatever. But the one thing through that, and, and we've we've had the same thing with a podding shed, is that it is not a back scratching exercise or a back patting exercise, should I say? Um, you know, it, you do get genuine debate and heated debate, and you do get those moments which replicate 
the sort of things that you get in the pub and for the people like kevin from australia and some of the people who uh, you know who who can't get to games who are if you like those remote fans with little little choice but to do that it is a, a fabulous you look at where you get your emails from it is a fabulous link back out to that that growing global fan base and and, and whether people like it or not that's the game we're involved in it's a growing global fan base and i think it's great i love doing it yeah i and you know what i, I mean i i did i know a lot of people uh read it but uh, i put a blog up on the chelseafancast.com website to kind of really just uh, reflect and reminisce on those 10 years and pick out why um you know why i've i've i love doing this so much and also to give a huge thanks to everybody who's been involved but that's i put my finger on that that the uh the real joy of doing it this show is the fact that we've met so many people from all over the world and and i'm i'm you know very aware uh how we connect a lot of you particularly those of you who aren't lucky enough to go week in week out like we do but how we kind of connect you to what's going on not just on the pitch but uh you know in the pubs and everything else and that's what it's all about joe i'm sorry we we, we haven't ignored you but obviously jonathan and, and tony wanted to opine which is lovely but uh what, what are your kind of reflections on it Ooh, um I mean, I think for me, when I first started working in, in banking, I used to cover the US and Asian market hours. So I would be in the office from, God, uh, 6 p.m., some cases till four in the morning, just sort of covering that, those hours. And yeah, for me, I, I distinctly remember, you know, sort of graduating. And I think I started this thing in 2008 when you first started was when I graduated. So yeah, it was, was, was there on Mondays, pretty much sort of as, as a listener in on the show. Um, we'd always kind of try and download it and extend it over the uh, over the coming days. But that definitely was my my first recollection. I think obviously for me, a slightly more personal touch was that I think when I had the realisation that I actually sat about three seats away from you in, uh, in Chelsea, <laughs> just right. incredibly, uh, just an insane thing. You've got, what, 42,000 people in, San, in uh, Sanford Bridge and Chidge, I think, does sit about six seats away from me. So... That was also uh, pretty interesting. Some some people just some people just get shit out of luck. Joe. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> but I think I mean we've we've probably spent more half times having a chat about the game over the past what ten years than than most people do. So uh, yeah, I mean from from that respect, that that's been interesting. And obviously, it was uh, always uh, amazed me that I've now that I actually live abroad in in Copenhagen, I've got more time to actually come on the show than when I did when I was working in the UK. So uh, yeah, from being a uh, uh, a listener very much in my in my early years to obviously getting to, to know Chich personally, um, particularly during games and, and and having those sort of chats and those glances, particularly if we're, if we're just in a period when we're about something <laughs> incredibly stupid, the look I used to get from Chich, you know, the uh, the kind of the, the gung ho look that we're, we're going to be under pressure, which used to make me laugh. But uh, yeah, those, those are things, and obviously yeah, become a become a part of the show over the past uh, year or so has been has been great. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a it's a really really uh, probably the, the premier Chelsea fan cast in terms of in, yeah in terms of the content and the, the conversation style and yeah it's just a, it's a pleasure to be a part of. So yeah, really really enjoying it. That's very kind of you to say, Joe. And actually, what we should what I should be saying to you is I, I apologise for taking so bloody long to get you onto the fan cast, <laughs> but of course. The reason for that is that you know, and the, you know, whilst whilst there is quite possibly a downside by having to do it virtually on Skype, the upside is that I can have whoever I want on the show now yes. because all you have to do is be able to sit down in front of a Skype uh, connection. Whereas in the old days, you would have to turn up to the pub, which kind of confined it to people who who lived in London. You know, yeah. so one of the joys about doing it like this now is that we can have 
you know anybody we want on and 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 we're just we are we're generally delighted that you come on the show joe because you have such distinct knowledge uh, which adds i think a huge amount to the show um right um i'm going to uh I was going to read out loads and loads and loads of your messages because, I mean, you were so kind on Twitter and Facebook and everything with what you had to say. And the, and the, and the particularly lovely thing was the number of... Uh, I'm, I'm not crying. I've just got a cold. Uh, that's what the actress said to the bishop, anyway. Anyway, the lovely thing was is that we were getting, we were getting some messages from people that I know uh, listened to the show from the first show because uh, what really kick-started it off was the... Um, was the Facebook group that we started, and I and I I remember when it only had about fifty people on it, and we would read out their posts every week, so I got to know who they were, and and I haven't heard from some of them for years, but they're clearly still listening, and and they've posted stuff on there. Um, I'm not going to read them all out because there are loads, and it's just a bit wanky to do that, but I, I'll try and pick a couple out. JP McCray, there, there's an example. JP uh, used to have a season ticket, used to come and see us in the pub every week. This is going right back to the early days. Uh, you know, lost his job, didn't have any money, gave up his season ticket, but he still listens every week. I love him to pieces. He's quite often in Mixler, actually. But he said, happy birthday to my favourite podcast. Chelsea Fancast was there from the moment Dr. Martin's boots forgot to switch on the mics and never missed an episode since. Huge amount of love and respect to all that have contributed over the last 10 years. Uh, Brian uh, Tangay says, congrats to Chidge and all the lads and ladies who have contributed to the show. You make me laugh. You share my pain when Chelsea insists on being Chelsea when we shine and when we stagger and you've taught a yank to love football not the lame american variety well done uh there we go and just a, a, pick a couple more out clifford blue 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 yank easy for me to say blue yank Cravello. that was a lovely look back and i eagerly look forward to another 10 years of keeping it blue keep it carefully keep it chels up the chels uh oc hooligans congrats stamford chidge all considered didn't think you would last longer than a week ha 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 all the best and here's to 10 more uh, up shelves rayman the lovely andy ray who we love and know very well uh wayne furs one of the first people to email us in i remember or, or facebook post us in i remember it very very well congratulations and thank you for a great 10 years jeffrey Asselstein, best podcast ever since they gave me my own song well, of course. Uh, Steve T. Well done, Chidge. I remember you introducing your first show. Chelsea are back. Chelsea are back. Great work. I came to Putney Station on one occasion when you had a QPR fan as a guest, getting deservedly harassed by Chell Tell. I remember that very, very well. Um, Dan Levine, who we haven't had on for ages, but used to be a very uh, big record. He, he basically works on a Monday, so we haven't been able to get him on for ages. <laughs> Happy birthday, Chidge. It's been far too long since I've graced your airways. Must rectify that soon. We plan to. Uh, and London London is Blue podcast. This is a massive accomplishment. Uh, Stanford Chidge and the Chelsea Fancast were a huge inspiration for us uh, and part of the reason we started our show. They've been great friends over the years and we're so happy they're celebrating this major milestone. Very kind of the boys uh, over the pond who we, who we love to bits. Uh, and who else? Oh, one more, one more, one more. Dan, Dan Francis... Van, Van, oh, crikey, get my teeth. <laughs> Daniel Francisco... Happy, happy birthday, and thank you for all those times you've kept us all sane who live away from home. Here's to the beers in the next 10 years. Come on, you fancast. There are many, many more. I don't have time to read them all out, but I would like to say on behalf of everybody who, who now is part of the current lineup, thank you so much for the love you've shown us for 10 years, but also for the messages that you sent us uh, on Saturday in recognition of our special day. We hope that we continue to do it for as long as we can and and don't disappoint you along the way. So there you go. Uh, right, now, uh, as you've probably noticed, we only got one email um, 
tonight, but that's okay. It was a long and a good one. Uh, but we do love receiving them. And uh, as you know, we always try and read them out on the show. So do send them in to chelseafancast at gmail.com and do it before a Monday and then you'll make the cut. Uh, and one thing that I was very remiss in saying is uh, a huge thank you to all of the people who listen in every week on Mixler, which I think has now been going for about... God, it's got to be six six years now, maybe five, six years. Uh, but you lot really are the best. I mean, you are the hardcore firm of the Chelsea Fancast. You come in here every Monday, listen to a funny, warbly old sound via Mixler, and you sit here and you write. Chris Bird, another person out in the States from Arizona who, who, who's who been listening for years, has just said hello, you know, from all over the world. And it's I, I love, I, I don't read out enough of what you say, but I love reading what you say. So don't stop. We love you masses. You're the best guys on there. You really are. Right, enough of me warbling on. Time to go home. Uh, we will be back next Tuesday. Ah, uh, uh, yes, yes, note that next Tuesday, not Monday, bank holiday in the UK. My wife forbids me from podcasting <laughs> on a bank holiday. I'm not joking. No, I've, well, she gets I, the right yeah, bloody hump. I, yeah. I'm in the same boat, mate. Yeah. Your wife doesn't like me podcasting yep, either. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm sorry, Mrs. Glover. I, I love you to bits. You're, you're a fantastic lady, and I'm very lucky that you allowed Tony to come and join us on a, on a Monday night. I'll buy you a glass of wine or yeah, something yeah. on the next see. Um, anyway, look, we'll be back next Tuesday, May the 8th, 7 o'clock, uh, and we'll be looking back at the match against Liverpool. Uh, I believe, not Swansea as I've got in the script goodness me, I should edit them better uh, I will of course be joined by Jonathan and Mark Worrell and Liam Toomey should be a good one, uh, especially if we beat the Scousers. Now before that of course, uh, I'll be recording the Kerry Dixon show with the one and only Kerry Dixon if I'm not ill and I can find him and we've failed miserably to do you a show for the last two weeks, I'm very sorry about that uh, when it's up, it'll be able to download and listen to on Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and all of that kind of stuff and, of course, on Friday this week, between 7 o'clock and 9pm, we'll be doing the Chelsea Fancast for Love Sport Radio. And it'll be me, Jonathan, and Dan Silver. And we'll be talking all things Chelsea, of course. Now, the best thing is, of course, you can phone in and join the show and debate with us live. What's the number, Jonathan? Uh, 0208. Um, uh, oh, God, I've forgotten, Chidge. Can you read it out for me? 17. Can I do it in the style of Jonathan Kidd? Oh, could you? Can I do it in the style of Jonathan Kidd? Yeah, go on. Yes. The number, the number to call, the number to call is o two o eight seventy twenty five five eight. Yes. Well, um, could you have another go? <laughs> do you want me to do it like a pirate? Oh no, no. Do, can I do it like me again? Shall I do it like me? Shall I do it like me? The number to call is o two o eight seventy twenty five five eight. It needs to be the number to call is o two o eight seventy twenty five five eight. That's what I did the first time. Oh, of course it is. Sorry, yeah. Number to call Sorry. is 0208 70 20 558. I think the eight could have been eight, eight. Yeah, more to, Jonathan You Kitt actually, yeah, to be fair, anyway, that look, last the bottom time line you is before, out, you, before you... I mean, the last time you read that yeah. out, you did sound like Kevin Turvey. <laughs> did I? <laughs> Kevin Turvey. Hey, the number to call. The number to call. The number to call is 0208 70 20 558. Perfect. That's very Kevin Turvey. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, um, the bottom line is, as as all of the boys will tell you, it's absolutely delightful when you phone us up. So please, I know it's it's tricky. It's a Friday night. If you've got half a brain, you'll be out there on the piss. I would be if we weren't doing the show. Uh, but as we are doing a show, we, we really love hearing from you. It, it's We get so excited when, when somebody that we know phones up, like Dean phoned up, and we, we were 
almost jumping off our seats in excitement. So do phone up. Um, it's just great fun. So do do it. 0208 758 on this Friday between 7 and 9. You can listen to it on lovesportradio.com or 558am or digital radio or on radio player and tune in app. So there you go. Right. Enough of this twaddle. Time to go. Uh, John, John Chips Chiverton said he phoned up pissed. I didn't realise you were pissed, John, but I didn't realise it was you until you told us it was you. And then we were very excited, as I recall. Uh, anyway, you can follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Tony at Grocer Jack UK, and Joe at Joe Tweedy. And of course, check out the website, ChelseaFancast.com. Many thanks, as always, to Hion and the Chelsea Fancast bloggers for their regular content going up during the week. Uh, and of course, uh, don't forget to check out the Facebook group because that also has all the blogs on uh, facebook.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Right, uh, Jonathan, as always, been an absolute pleasure. I'll see you on Friday. Lovely to be on the show in such excellent company, um, Tony mm. and Joe and uh, I love you, Tony. As always, you know I do. Yes, I do, J.K. And I love, I love, I love the banter, and I love, I love locking horns with you. <laughs> Me too. Well done. <laughs> and thanks to Joe for his uh, his brilliance as always. So. Yeah, thanks, gents. It's uh, excellent. Currently uh, winning three 0 at Arsenal, so I think we've. Uh, I think we've we won the, it. Uh, the, the youth cup record. Yeah, it looks like so. Anyway. Well, that's lovely because we're, uh, Tottenham are winning uh, against Watford 2-0 to put a damper on yes. everything, but there you go. <laughs> Joe, as always, a huge, huge pleasure having you on the show. We look forward to speaking to you again soon. Yeah, great uh, great to be on as always, Chidge, and yeah, grab me whenever you, uh, whenever you need a sub. <laughs> lovely. Thanks, mate. Cheers. And uh, last but by no means least, the wonderful Tony Glover. As always, a huge delight to have you on the show, mate. And you're doing a podding shed tomorrow. I am you? doing a podding shed tomorrow for those uh, for the three or four listeners that we've got out there. Um, hopefully, it'll continue. <laughs> it'll continue in our new our new news nights kind of formula. A little bit of an in depth look at uh, things rather than just match reviews. But yeah, we are doing one tomorrow night, and uh, really looking forward to it. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but this has been. Will this... you be being? Will you be being Kirsty Walk? Uh, Are you going to be Kirsty Walk tomorrow? Yeah, I, yes, I, I think I'm more Kirsty than Evan. Basically, um, yeah, I had a feeling you might say that, <laughs> but I, uh, uh, I <laughs> just honestly, we are terrible together. Honestly, the Duber entendres are just I can't wait to see you in the pub. Yes. Although, I have to I have to tell you that I'm, I'm driving back I, I, after the Liverpool very, game, so I won't be on, no, I won't be on the source, no, mate. Um, very possibly, I'm the same, um, uh, as, as well, mate. So, um, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it's the company that counts. Indeed, indeed it is. But I tell you what, after the season, we'll make sure we catch up for a jar or three, oh, God, even yes. if it's a local one down here. Yeah, It'd yeah. be lovely to catch up yeah, with you, mate. Indeed. Right, we better go because we've outstayed our welcome massively and uh, Mrs. Glover's going to punch me next time <laughs> she sees me. So, right, uh, great stuff, you guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks all to all the people in Mixer. You've been brilliant, as always. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Love the chills. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.